The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guests and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? Wow, that's loud. Very loud. America, you've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about kumbaya and flat earth insanity. Stand up comedy? You want stand up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit down comedy. It's time for Coffee with a Dog. You make me laugh. Oh my goodness. There's something going on. Something going on. My head. Like I can hear again. Which is not a bad thing. But it's a shockingly loud world we live in. I don't know what happened. How my ears started working again. Oh my god, this is a loud radio show. We are back on the radio, by the way. Mind Dog Radio. It's all Mind Dog Radio, not Live 365. Oh, good morning, folks. It is whatever day it is. It's Thursday, uh, February 22nd, 2024. Great to have you here. I hope it's a beautiful day wherever you are. We are, as I mentioned, on Mind Dog Radio, back on iHeartRadio, which is all that matters. Uh, Live 365 is uh, like PBM TV with us, a thing of the past. My God, those headphones are even blasting over there from the other machine. What's happening? There, did somebody come and unplug my ears? And I didn't know about it. That's all I know. I can hear. If you know anything about me, you know I'm pretty grumpy, uh, especially in the morning. And... um we start out by wake up America. You got a dog that needs walking. Well, I got a dog that needs walking. My stepdaughter is in Florida and left her dog for me to take care of. And that means I have to get up early on a, on in the morning and take the dog for a walk with a glove, not a glove, a bag on my hand to pick up the poop. Uh, and it's freezing cold out. And that's not the way I want to wake up. But wake up, America. I got a dog that needs walking. And I'm the dog. And the dog needs walking. Two dogs walking. Only one of us is shitting. Thank God. Um, but it's not the be- best way to wake up. So I'm grumpy. Yeah, we have that. Uh, but not as grumpy as the people in America who woke up today with no cell phone service and wondering what the hell's going on. I think I talked about that uh Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke movie uh, where governments that hate America targeted our infrastructure and and started by shutting down cell phone service. And that was the first clue that we were being um, defeated 
by our enemies. Well, apparently, about several hundred million people, I don't know, <laughs> several hundred million, no, we don't have several, we have 300 and some odd million people in, the, in this country, um, but uh, over 100 million people were out without cell phone service and freaking out about it today. Uh, kind of like I was with my internet service the other night. Uh, we live in a world where we get so used to these uh, being connected that any um, interruption in service is the world coming to an end. We're running around like uh, chickens without heads. Uh, speaking of running around, Willie is running late this morning. Uh, so we can say anything you want about him and he will have no idea what we said about him. So if you want to bash Willie, this is a good time to do it. Uh, I'm up for uh, bashing. Uh, Ron Kane will be here and his brother, Co. Uh, and uh, in the second hour, Jennifer, can I learn to say Jennifer's name? It's been three weeks that she's been on the calendar or, or longer. I should be able to. Uh, practice her name and say it by now, but here I go. I'm going to screw it up. Jennifer Manocherian. I hope once she gets here, I'm not that awkward with it. Manocherian. Let's all practice it together. Manocherian. She is a film, uh, musical, Broadway, off-Broadway film producer who has written her first novel. She's 85. The, uh, novel is about a 95-year-old woman called Alpha, entitled Alpha Bet. Alpha and the woman's name is Bet. Very clever, right? Uh, I'm going to have to ask my gamma about that. Gamma, get it? That's a little Alpha Beta Gamma joke if you're in a sorority. I don't know. I told you I'm grumpy. I had to get up too early and walk the dog. And that's really um, all I want to say. Now, uh, just to piss GD off before uh, he comes in here. Uh, yesterday we were talking about lists of things we might, you know, the song lists and stuff like that. There was no winner yesterday. Um, and I got to start picking out prizes instead of letting people pick prizes. But uh, I was said we were going to do songs with really high notes, guys who sing really high notes. And then some point in the day I, I decided, no, I don't want to do that today. Uh, and I texted GD. We, I wanted to do films about um, organized crime that are not the Godfather trilogy or uh, Goodfellas. And then this morning I changed my mind again and wanted to go back to the guys who sing really high notes. Now, it's hard to find a list that actually says guys who sing really high notes or ridiculously high notes in it. I found a list of 27 hardest songs to sing for men. Now, they do have high notes on it, in, in them. Every one of these songs have some high notes in them. Uh, but they are not necessarily the highest notes and not necessarily uh, the ones that we were talking about already yesterday, which is a good thing. Uh, so I'm probably going to go in reverse order on these, uh, down up to number one, from 27, when we get to them. We're not going to start it. And don't start guessing them right away. I'll let you know. And the prize is going to be a T-shirt, and you can pick it out for today. But uh, I'm trying to get some prizes um, contributed to the program. Concert tickets, uh, comedy tickets, things like that. Show tickets, maybe. Maybe even books from our authors as prizes. Because I'm not buying a friggin' T-shirt for you fucking people every day. 
What do I look like, Mr. T-shirt bank? Is that what I look like to you? I'm kidding. I'm grumpy. I told you I was grumpy. Uh, last thing, again, to piss off GD before I, I bring him in. Um, Ron Filipino. Ron Filipikowski. I'm sorry. Filipikowski, not Filipino. <laughs> uh, on his Twitter feed, he has um, highlighted what he calls one of the most racist segments uh, ever to air on Fox News. Uh, this is a segment where uh, I don't know the guy's name. What's the guy's name? It doesn't say the guy's name. He's talking to Laura Ingram about uh, Trump has secured the black vote now uh, because of he's released sneakers and black folks can't resist a good pair of sneakers. And they actually let that go out on air. I mean, they're not even trying to pretend that they're not racist anymore. I mean, to say something like, black folks can't resist a good pair of sneakers. Well, first of all, they're not a good pair of sneakers. They're cheap sneakers with the T painted on it. That's besides the point. But to come out and say that um, all black people are going to vote for Trump now because he's got a sneaker line because black folks can't. I'm not making this fo- this up, folks. This is true. I wish I could give you this guy's name. Um, uh, maybe we'll find out later in the program. Anyway, let's see if that did the job. Let's see if we, that pissed GD off. Uh, GD is- <laughs> if that were true, I'd be president because I had my own sneaker line. Now, how come you're so loud? Is it my ears? Is, uh, am I loud to you? I, well, I, well, to be honest, you're a little bit loud, but I just don't touch the volume any time. I don't touch it at all. So whatever I get is what I get. I heard you don't touch it at all. No, um, I don't touch it at all. But can I? I let me. Uh, yeah, go. you could talk about your cup all you want. I want to okay. hear about your sneakers. All right, I'll hear about my sneakers too. Um, let me see here. All right, here we go. Have you lost your fizz? Are you feeling empty? Yes. To, then go to Mind Dog TV and try that. some of our Mind Dog TV Sodi Pop. So Get your fizz back. Mind Dog TV Sodi Pop. Only at MindDogTV.com. You know what I'm into right now? Grape juice. I should get a line on some uh, Mind Dog TV grape juice. I love grape juice. I lo- uh, I've been drinking Welch's. Now, Welch's is not a sponsor. I think they could be if they want to be uh, for any kind of pro- Like five bucks, you can you can be a sponsor Welch's. Uh, maybe I'm underselling that. But uh, I should come out with my own line of grape juice. I love grape juice, man. I'm like a kid. I, lo- I love grape juice. It is. It is, it, is a, it is a beautiful drink. It's a wine that goes with anything. Yeah, even cheap yeah. sneakers. Come on, tell me about your sneakers. Uh, if I so, if I uh, entice you with a pair of sneakers, I could get you to do anything, right? You, you will not you anymore because my sneakers had my name and number on it, my name and jersey number on it. Not, you know, and I actually played a sport. Trump never played a fucking sport. Golf is not a sport; it's a hobby. I don't think you wear sneakers in sports anyway. You wear those little cleats things. I know. I never had really golf shoes. Uh, I was like a white trash golfer. When I played golf, I never had the official, never had the right gear, never had a golf glove, uh, never had the right golf shoes and all that stuff. And you're supposed to wear, you know, polo shirts and slacks. I didn't yeah. do that. I went in shorts, and that's a no-no. 
Yeah. Obama did that once and he got in big trouble for, for golfing in shorts, too. No matter what he wore, if he could have worn a beige suit to play golf and they would have criticized him. Well, I don't know if he would have wore Trump's sneakers. He probably, probably wouldn't have got any uh, pushback on that. Well, as a general rule of thumb, yeah, black people like sneakers, but we like them after athletes. Not <laughs> not uh, whatever he is. The antithesis of athletics. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, but they—that's all couch, that couch potato shoe line. There is no a couch potato shoe line. That's what that is. But Fox News is not even trying to kind of pretend that they're not racist anymore. What it's good? They shouldn't pretend that they're not racist. They should come out and be what they are. They, you know, it, look, let the let the sponsors choose where they want to put their money. Don't hide the shit. Just come out and say, hey, we're racist, we're xenophobic, we're misogynist, we're whatever it is. Whatever it is you want to be, be that. Be it proud and face the consequences. Mike Chavola's got some bashing on Willie. This is good. I like I like this because Willie's not here, so let's bash him. You got any negative things to say about Willie? Uh, I, I happen to agree with this. Willie really needs to try harder. He's kind of an underachiever. He has no desire and dream. He has desire and dreams. But um, yesterday, I, I said to him, there was a uh, thing for uh, his sponsor for Lord and Lady. And they were having a uh, little a workshop, online workshop, where they were helping uh, affiliates help sell more so they can make more money. So I sent them this link. He said, I have to sit through the whole seminar. I was like, it's not mandatory, but if you want to make money, they are offering uh, help in helping you make money. Uh, and I would think, you know, since your, your schedule is not exactly uh, – filled up with executive meetings all day that you might be interested in making money instead of, you know, and, the, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. But it's like, do I need to come and light that fire directly under your head? Do I, listen, if it were me and I was, you know, in his position, I would be doing, I would be going out and in the gig economy, I would be doing, I'd be finding jobs all day long just to make a couple of bucks here or there. I happen to Mike's right in the first half of this sentence. He, he needs to uh, try harder, and and he is kind of an underachiever. I mean, he's got to. And with the comedy thing, I've said this to him, and I'll I'll say this directly to his face. You got to be out. If I were in his position and talking the talk that he talks, I'd find a gig tonight and tomorrow night, and every there wouldn't be one night and seven nights where I didn't have some place to go, even if it were just volunteer work just to get my name out there to practice a craft, get, pass out a card, tell people I'm available, that kind of stuff. I'd go to the fucking park and, and busk comedy or busk music. He's doing music too. I mean, I, I don't know. So that's my bash on Willie. You got something? Come on, bash him a little bit. Come on. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a basher. I you understand. No, I, it's I, part, of the, well, part of the game. It's, I, it's think, like, I think Willie and I suffer from one thing, a similar thing in the sense that well, let's put it. No, I'm. I'm not going to speak for. I'm speak for myself. I yeah. have multiple. I have multiple, multiple mediocre talents that have never developed to their fullest potential because oh. I won't give any one of them up. So to focus on all the others, so that they all. I'm very, very, very mediocre at a lot of things and not great at anything. Well, I'm not even mediocre at a, a lot of things. I am. 
below mediocre on a lot of things. But I've ma- managed to because uh, I never really, I never really put any other job first. Then all my creative efforts, which I am below mediocre at, were always my first priority. I managed to make a pretty good living from from what I do. So I don't think you have to be. I don't. I think you know John. I mentioned John Maxwell's book. Talent is never enough. Uh, and but in that book, it's talent is like really the least important uh, ingredient in in being successful. It's really hard work. It's really strategizing. It's really you know having a plan, marketing, all that kind of stuff, and uh, just you know uh, perseverance, all that kind of stuff. So I don't. Yeah. Um, but that's good self-awareness on your part to, to say I have a lot of mediocre uh, skills and talents. And, you know, I, I think that's really important. A lot of people go through life never having that self-awareness and never really it's never saying to themselves, you know what? Maybe the reason I'm not the rock star I dream about is because I don't have the, the uh, talents that a lot of the rock stars and <laughs> Uh, oh no! I, I yeah, I never. I was very. I've always been very creative at, with things, but I never had the talent to take that creativity to its apex or to anything close to what would be like. I'm a, I'm a pretty decent musician. I'm a pretty decent comedian. Okay, I, I I am a very good, very entertaining comedian. At my best, though, I am a very, very, very good garage band. I am not the Beatles. Never will be Aerosmith or Earth, Wind, and Fire. But I am a very good garage band, and you come to my, and if you come to my garage, you will leave it having a good time. Yeah. That's it. I'm, you know, I don't have enough time to develop to become those things. I guess. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, your friend uh, uh, Ron uh, Kane and, and and his, his brother Co. His brother Co. Are not here. They're supposed <laughs> he's to be. He's a partier. Here. He's a fucking partier. Oh, Co. Yeah, Co. Yeah, Co. Co. Matter of fact, Co. Cocaine is like better to hang out with than Ron. But no, I disagree. I I I'm never like cocaine. I'm just saying. But the difference is with Ron, you won't wind up with a record. Okay, That's, for yeah. the most part. For most but with Co, <laughs> you will have a record at the end of the night. Uh well, I never, I never got. See, I was lucky. I never. Uh, <laughs> you didn't have the talent. You had the luck. I, I had the luck when it came to hanging out with Coke, uh, cocaine, um, okay. Ron's brother Co. Um, I just I never got caught hanging out with Co. Uh, and eventually, yeah. when it dis- when I decided to, I didn't want to see Co anymore. Yeah. It was it was just mutual. It was just like no problem. Okay, I never I'll never see you again. Get out of my life, Co. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. I've, this and this is where Ron and I have had many, many, many discussions over drinks. It's like Ron never exploited his brother's fame. Ron is like, I'm going to make it on my own. You know, Co has like songs written about him by Eric Clapton. And no, like JJ Kale, JJ Kale, Eric Clapton covered it. That's a cover song. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I stand. Corrected. Or what you would call a remake. Yeah, I, 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 I sit corrected. But Ron never capitalized off of his brother's name. Ron always said, look, I'm going to do this on my own. And if I fail, I fail. If I succeed, I succeed. But I am not going to ride your coattails. I think it uh, might just help to mention that he's Coe's brother. Uh, it definitely would help to get more people in the club. Uh, Coe will be here. 
Ron Kane and his brother Co will be here tonight, and then more people will come. Now they might not have money left for tickets after they just <laughs> throw their money at Co. Yes, he just that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell you how many times I've had people say they cannot afford to come inside to see my show because they spent their money on Ron's on brother outside. Yeah. yeah, they just throw money at Co. Yeah, uh, and sometimes they roll their money up. Yes, it's, it's very weird, very weird thing. Yeah. And then when you do that, you can't even make it rain because it doesn't roll; it doesn't flow properly. Right. It's, yeah. You want to want to send them an email or a text? Can you do that while uh, while we're sitting here until Ron? I mean, Ron. That is not Cole. I don't think Cole is uh, up this early. Um, um, you mean you know, call him or send him a text or do do whatever you want. I mean, I don't I don't know if he forgot. He picked Tuesday, but Tuesday was booked. And then I said, "You want to do Thursday?" And he said, "Sure, I'll do Thursday, nine o'clock." And he uh, nine twenty. You know, yeah. Okay, I will. Um, yeah. Text text him. Um, and then in the second hour, Jennifer Manocherian, Manocherian, I say, Manocherian. I'm practicing. It's a tough name for me to say. Um, last night, I had a guest on. His name is McCracken Poston <laughs> Jr. And I don't know. For me, I, I wanted, you know, talking about Ron's brother, Co. You know, McCracken Poston. I wanted to talk about uh, McCracken joking and McCracken. Oh, we gave out Ron's number on a... On... <laughs> <laughs> is it people can see that yeah but if we we only heard the 917 part we didn't hear the rest of it oh uh, i'm sorry that's fine uh you want to call ron or oh, it's better to call ron than co um, yeah yeah but no uh we didn't hear it full number um so last night i had a, a mccracken poston jr <laughs> on the show he's a, a defense attorney uh, and his case, his second case that he ever uh, handled as a defense attorney uh, has been highlighted on American Justice, Forensic Files, and all this kind of stuff. It's a 1998 case of this guy, uh, what the hell's the guy's name now? Uh, something Ridley. I can't think of his first name. But uh, the guy was suspected of killing his wife. He was the Zenith man. Zenith Television. He had a uh, Zenith Television repair shop in a small town in northern Georgia. And he, he was not liked by everybody in the town. He kind of uh, had, like, he was the opposite of uh, Alex Jones in a lot of ways. He did not trust local government, but he completely trusted the federal government. But he had all these conspiracy theories about how local government were out to get him. But nobody ever saw his wife. In the 35 years he lived in this town, nobody even knew he was married. Nobody saw his wife until she ended up dead. And then he was just, they were all saying he, he killed her. He must have killed her. Uh, because he called, when he called in uh, 911, he was like, uh, like uh, you know, my wife is dead. And, uh, you know, very monotone. And they were like, well, that's not how somebody who's just found their wife uh, should be acting. And he was, uh, you know, charged with her murder. Um, they were saying it was a strangulation, but there was no real evidence of strangulation. She was an epileptic and she had the, you know, um, seizure 
marks, the same kind of seizure marks that Florence Joyner, uh, Griffey, is that what, what was that? Flojo, the yeah, track runner had. Yeah. And so basically, this guy knew he was innocent. The lawyer knew he was innocent, but this guy was being of no help because he was a he's a weirdo. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the woman never left the house in 30 years. Like, and basically what happened was her family didn't like him. They moved far from the family, and then she never wanted to leave the house because she always thought her family was looking for her and stalking her and all that kind of stuff. She was an epileptic, and she had a, a hypographia, which is she just compulsively writing stuff all the time. They're weirdos. And the guy got charged with murder just for being a weirdo. And so the, the kind of theme of the show was innocent until proven likable. <laughs> uh, uh, guilty until proven likable. Uh, and, and basically, uh, the, Jesus told this guy to get on the stand and, and testify for himself. And he did. Okay. And he won over the jury. Uh, and then they started to like him. And then it came out. That he had, he had adult, uh, not Asperger's, but uh, autism, a high functioning type of autism. He obviously was a repairman, but he, uh, you know, that explains for all of his kinks and all his weirdness and stuff. But it's a really compelling case about how some, how somebody's supposed to act, because that's a, a lot. A lot of times we judge like, first of all, the husband is always the first suspect anyway. Yes. But yeah. if you don't act a certain way, that the makes spouse, people... The yeah. Because sometimes like, the husband's the victim. Right. But you know what? Anybody who's been in that position, there's no uh, one way. There's no pattern of how you, you take that news and how you how you process it. Some people are just in shock and just can't can't even articulate that I found my wife dead. You know, it's just like yeah. it's surreal to them. Uh, so to to charge somebody just based on that, but it wasn't solely based on that, but a big part of the suspicion was, well, you know, you just calling in to say your wife's dead, like so nonchalantly in a monotone voice like that. No crying, no, oh, my God, please come, my wife's dead, you know. And, and that's the position I would be because I'm not that type of person. I'm not, you know, and when, when, like, for example, when COVID first came around and nobody really knew, knew what to do with it, my wife, you know, my wife Carol had it. Um, and so, and she, she was like really, really a bit bad off. And at one point, uh, like she had like 103, 104 temperature for like almost 20 days. Okay. You know, it was really, really bad, but you know, so I had to, you know, prepare my wife, you know, Carol wanted to be cremated, but I knew every time I went to work, there was a possibility I would come home and she may not still be alive. And I didn't want to leave to go to work any wow. of those days. I didn't want to leave. And 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 I knew in my heart that if I came home and she was not, you know, because I'm not the kind of person like if if I came home and she was had passed, I knew I know that there was nothing I could do to like bring her back. So I'm not going to be like on the phone going, please, please, please save her. It's like, well, you know, she's been dead for several hours and the cat already started eating the eyeballs. You know, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. But when you get a chance, could you please send somebody by? You know, it would be like that. And, oh. and, and I know being black and her being white in Carroll County, where, you know, where I live, the police would like take me away almost yeah. immediately, even though the cats are the ones with the eyeballs hanging from their mouths. You know, I was like, you know, so I knew they would take me away right away. And, and so I had to be like, OK, 
What's the local paper or newspaper that you got over there? Is it uh, the Carroll County Times? I think. All right, would well, you be on the cover of that? Yeah, I'd uh, be on the cover of that. Dreadlock and... boy guilty. That's what it would say. Dreadlock boy guilty. You dreaded killer. The dreaded killer has been caught. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. In your own headlines now. Yeah. So and, and so and I and I just knew that like I said, one of the things I had to do was like show, let them know that look, okay, yeah, there's a dead white woman in my bed. <laughs> She's my wife, not a hooker. You know, <laughs> duh, duh, duh. you know. Can we? You know, we're pretty sure that it might be COVID, but this is like in the very. This is like in the beginning. You know, even her own doctors like saying that no, no, we don't think it's COVID. We think it's like rheumatoid. You know, kleptomania, or anything. They were just like naming shit that had. They, I think, they, I can't remember honestly what they said she had had not been around for like sixty years. I think I can't even remember the name of it now. Uh, sure cough. Like she that. had a cough. That's what yeah. she had. It's like um, so one of those like diseases that starts with an R, I think. Oh, uh, bubonic plague. I, th I think they said rheumatoid arthritis. Right. Uh, rash. She had a rash. Oh yeah, she did. She had um, as I as I put it in my rickets. material. Did she, she have had, the cases of rickets? She had the colored blotches. I'm sorry, African American blotches. Those Look blotches at Willie. Were, He's all he's all like collegiate looking. Willie Willie's going to uh, register for his uh he's college uh, coaching assistant job. Poly sci one uh one on one class this morning. He's got his textbooks to, what what why are you looking all like um it come was, on it was just the shirt I threw on, bro. No, you <laughs> no, just the shirt because you're not wearing your hat that covers your oh, imaginary yeah, no, you're right. I did, yeah, your I hair slicked back like um like a, like you're going for that. Patrick Riley, Patrick O'Reilly, um, Patrick Riley looked from. Man, the, I'm really, I'm really starting to, I'm really starting to lose some hair on this side. You see uh -oh. how my, see how my hairline you know is, is in this. It's the deal? hat. It's what the, the hat. The hat. The, the hat is pulling out the follicles. Yeah, you know what? Are not getting a chance to grow back. He's right. Uh, wearing hats will definitely, um, you know. Uh, yeah. Is, look how, look how deep up it's going. Maybe accelerate I need to do my hair. Yeah, again. yeah, and especially if you have a tendency, I, I learned this one from. from children if you if you're like if you have like a habit of doing this with your hair you know it's like it's yeah. like you get like angry and stuff you're going to develop yeah. a pattern in a right. groove or whatever your, yeah your scalp no, is going to that's actually i have a bald spot in my facial hair right yes. here because yes. because i rub i rub that spot with my thumb all the fucking time he rubs it out you yeah, heard it I here rub first it I, I rub it like, out like that's a news flash like that's a new uh, Hey, listen, ladies, you don't need to go get waxed. Just let me rub on it, and all the hair will fall off anyway. And it I doesn't grow back nice and that fast. Time. I get I, I get a I, good rub going. If I if I let all this grow out, and I'll have two spots right here where the skin is like just smooth as a baby's butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grow. Like no hair at all. Yeah. And, and it's not just that. It's, it was all all the guys. It was myself and my two brothers. And I think it's because when we were kids. My mother used to like have this little chokehold on us. Yeah, you know? I can see that. And so, because none of the boys, none of the boys could grow hair here. We were all, you know, like we grow. We tried to grow full facial hair. We all had these two bare spots the size of my mother's fingers <laughs> right here. Um, if you're just joining us, we are supposed <laughs> to be here with uh, our guest Ron Kane and his brother I Cole. Text him. I uh, apparently, text him. Ron uh, has uh, had to go visit his brother Cole. Who was having a snorting problem this morning? Uh, breathing problem. Yeah, uh, could even have to bail him out. One, yeah. This one. Time. So well, we hope I cocaine gets his snorting. 
together. Uh, I'm sorry that I was late. I, for the life of me, could not find the power cord to my laptop, which was or really your, your sweater. The real reason was you were panicking trying to find that sweater that you're wearing. You were like, it's not a sweater. It's just a t-shirt. Oh, it's oh, just, oh, it's a polo. Or not a t-shirt, polo. Whatever. Yeah. This is actually one of my dad's shirts. This Do you play polo? Father's shirts. Uh, oh, I've yeah. never played polo in my life. No. Um, nor, nor have I seen polo played. You weren't on the prison polo team. No, they don't really have horses in prison. That's not not the prison. <laughs> yeah, that. That's more of an I, Angola thing, I think. Like, I think they have some ranches down in Louisiana, maybe Kentucky. I uh, covered the uh, Hamptons Polo uh, tournament a couple of times uh, back in the day. I, with the self, it, with the phone running beside the horses. No, no, this was. I thought I got was, kicked in the head. Was real uh, professional video equipment for a, a network stuff, but. Uh, it is everything you would imagine polo to be. I mean, as far as elitist, snobby, uh, just rich people, where uh, if you're working the event and you're doing video, you are pretty much a leper. Uh, like, uh, th- these people are not people. These people are workers. We don't work. We are. We drink champagne and ride horses and 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 act like we right. have English accents. That right, we don't really. <laughs> so when back so, when you were a cameraman, because I, I was the cameraman for local origination television, and I was they called me like they, they didn't we didn't have a gimbal, but I could run with the camera and hold it steady. I was like a, a human steady cam. You know, were you like that or did you? No, I wasn't. I wasn't a cameraman. I was a TD. I was uh, behind the board saying, uh, uh, you know, go to go to shot two and all that kind of stuff and set. It, Technical director about where the setup and all that stuff, wiring, cabling, and all that stuff. I never actually, well, there, I shouldn't say I never, very rarely did I ever work a camera. Uh, actually, oh, okay. get a, well, see, I was, I was, I was a cameraman, and so like I, I went to go on shoots to interview people. So, like, I would be like behind the camera as they interviewed famous people, and I can't say anything unless, unless it helps the camera shot. Like, I can say, like, it. I could say, excuse me, could you move? But usually I would move and not have them move unless it was like a lighting thing and then I had to reposition them or something. I did used to know stuff about lighting before I stopped giving a shit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, you see, Willie's got a nice background there. I have a beautiful background there. We really need you to kind of step it up and and get a beautiful background. No, listen, he he believes he does because he's got his, he's promoting... That's all thing I back there. Well, that, that should yeah, be that, that, that should be that, bigger that and take up the whole screen. Then, listen, no. I, I, you know, I, I. Because then you can't, and even to the whole screen, you wouldn't be able to read the. I wouldn't like. You know, I don't like video. really being critical of you guys unless you're not here, so I could like bash you when you're not here. Like right. that, this is my thing. But um, the the marketing company, the reason you guys weren't on the poster to begin okay. with, is because of the backgrounds. It's like okay. oh. Um, they couldn't well, there find. Should be some with, there should be some with this one. Like, I'm done. The yeah, no. Once once you went to South Dakota, but they were looking through older stuff where you right. were originally in New Mexico before you even had the bear thing, and it was like you were in rooms, you were outdoors, and they're like, "There's no good shots of these guys. They look, uh, they don't look 
like uh, state of the yeah professional state of the art. Le- yesterday, M- uh, McCracken Poston Jr. Uh, he was on on the program last night. He said he's done a hundred podcasts in the last couple of months. He said I've never seen anything like this. This is a really professional outfit. In, after the intro and all that stuff, made me feel good. But I understand that made me think about you know the marketing company saying why why you two guys were not on the posters like they they don't look, look like pros you look you got nice lighting you look like you do, you're like serious about this and these right. two mooks are over there with uh walls that say you uh, me a mook. bro that was the pet name of my na sponsor my na sponsor used to go by he was the big mook and all of his sponsees were little mooks and yeah. if they had children, they were junior mooks. Uh, well, but we were uh, all mooks. Yeah, New York uh, mook is uh, pretty much a put down. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was, but we're also talking about the same kind of people that like give the finger to say, "Hey, I love you, love you, be safe," you know. Yeah. And that's that's how they say that is with this thing right here. They go like right. that. Did either of you guys? I love you, be safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> did either of you guys have problems with your phone this morning? I don't know. No, I had you know honestly, I, I barely even looked at it. I was I was looking for my cord, so I was freaking out. Uh, I don't know. They're saying over a hundred million people were affected by uh, this um, temporary outage of service. <laughs> ATT, AT and T. Uh, what are the companies again? Nationwide. Uh, out. What's outage. it affecting? Like, because I did like a couple of. Uh, I played a game on my phone. While I was sitting on the toilet. So it well, yeah, no, all cellular data. T-Mobile, U.S. Cellular, Verizon, AT&T uh, had na- nationwide out- outages. but um, hmm. And people were freaking out about it. But it didn't well, my, seem to affect me at all. I got my yeah, string I talk Verizon. is doing just fine. I have Verizon. Yeah. I don't, I'm not aware of any issues. Right. No, I have cricket. No, you have uh, uh, something that rhymes with Verizon. Oh, no, I never worked for them. So, oh, oh, oh my God. yeah, it's only the it's only the stuff that he worked for that he rhymes with. Yeah, the person uh, that worked for it, and like, then he really, just says it like. A, yeah, apparently, it was caused by a solar flare. Uh, so Yikes. somebody somebody is on the sun trying to tell us that they're stranded and sending up flares. That's what. But that would only last for a few seconds. I mean, like they have outages. They have two outages a year that are related to the sun and some stuff not solar technically not solar flares but but anyway it's it is a solar event but right. it only lasts for like 20 seconds and it happens twice a year and they know it's going to happen they know in advance we used to get you know, maybe it has to do with that satellite that's falling to the earth there is like an old satellite that's like reorbiting Maybe yeah, but that satellite that. is so old; it doesn't even have new technology on it. The newest thing that satellite right, right, right. it's, it's got. No, uh, I mean, maybe it's uh, maybe it's its pathway might be causing interference to other signals. It has critical it. joke theory, new joke technology on, on it, <laughs> <laughs> which is why it's the switch was crashing to Earth. Too bad, too bad we don't have. Is there a rim shot somewhere in our? In oh our yeah, there's thing? plenty. Of, there's plenty of rim shots. I'm just slow with it. I need a. I need a guy to just man the the stuff. Yeah, so you need a nine year old kid to come in and. I don't. Uh, well, yeah, actually, no, no nine year old wouldn't. That's only for technical stuff. So uh, last time you said that, uh, and then and let's just be honest here. The person who accused you of being a pedophile for saying that is somebody I hate. Oh, that ain't even the right one, is it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. 
You know, um, that woman who, who in, in the, the Barry Katz thing who said you were a pedophile for saying that, right. she got uh, bit by a shark. A shark caught her in the mouth, and the shark spit her out because uh, this is not. I'm not making this up. This shark <laughs> spit her out because she was gross. I don't. I didn't really interview the shark, but I'm just. <laughs> sharks don't generally spit people out. They well, we, that's just it. People aren't really food to sharks. They don't really like the way we taste. They just we look like. Usually, we look. They mis, They mistake us for the things they actually do like to eat. But uh, they won't. They you know. It's like you know. It's like it's like a, a saltine cracker. You know, it's like you know what I'm saying. It's like it's like it's like a. Uh, tell you what, people are like a garnish on a plate. You know, pe- most people don't eat the garnishes on a plate. Like you know, there's like you know, like, you can eat the parsley. Well, the shark, the shark spit her out like she was a piece of uh, broccoli, uncooked yeah. broccoli. It's interesting that you mentioned that. Did, did, so, do you know that when you go and order hot wings, uh, you'll get celery uh, with your hot wings a lot of times? Yeah. Do you know why you get that celery? To spit it out like a uh, no, no, it's actually to like clean, especially if you have different flavors of wings. To cleanse your palate. celery is intended to clean your palate, yeah, in between the wings, so you can like retaste the flavor more clearly. So, what technically, yeah, cleanses your palate, but it also fills your stomach so you're getting more food than (laughs) than the I just want to, I'm just trying to figure out how this relates to the shark thing. Are you saying that the shark should pick up a piece of celery in between biting uh, that woman, or uh, probably, yeah, or or just some a seal, you know, whatever's around, yeah, have a seal to break up the uh, monotony there, the monotony, yes, exactly, exactly, yeah, she tasted too, and that was the problem, it wasn't, she didn't have enough flavor, she was too plain chain. I think she tasted like fish, I think, oh my god, you gotta. (laughs) You got to finger test that. You got to yeah. yeah. Well, I don't like her. I, I'm on the record of saying I don't like her. I think I've actually uh, gone as far as saying I hate her. I, I, I don't. I, it's not like strong, but are you yeah. going to fill there, there is the definitely a, why, why, there's, why there's is some kind of connection between the two of you, some kind of sexual tension between the two of you. Oh, my God. No. no. There's no. none of that. She was on my very first program uh first podcast not no i shouldn't say very first podcast after i started doing it podcasting again after taking nine years off from doing it uh she was on the one i called the death of comedy and it was right around uh the time that uh people were freaking out about cancel cancel the word cancel culture was first coming up and she was she was doing shows bringer shows in new york not just bringer shows but paid bringer shows you had to pay her money so that she would put you on a bringer show that she would bring people you you would have to bring five people to to be on the bill and you, five, had you had to pay and bring people and it was for a show that was at 5 p.m on a weeknight and i was like are you fucking kidding me and uh, from there on it didn't go well i i thought that was being taking <laughs> taking advantage of talent and really being well, abused you know I'll say this. I just saw yesterday on one of the on the comedy pages. I think it was in New York too, about how there's a movement to like like for comedians to just stop doing bringer shows. Like, let's just across the board agree as a fucking as an industry, we are not fucking doing these fucking bringer shows anymore because they're fucking bullshit. 
They, and they are. They're fucking bullshit. I, and I won't do them. I haven't done a bringer show since I lived in California in yeah. 2004. Right. I haven't done a bringer show. Like I, and I won't do it. It's not, it's not a thing that I'll do anymore. So, right. Like, um, yeah. I, you know what? I don't want to get on a high horse here about all that stuff. Ahead. Get your horse high and ride it. No, my horse is, is my horse has got like weak legs to begin with, and I'm kind of heavy. So I want to get on. A, I'll stay in this chair for now. But this whole idea of uh, I'm not against it if because Frank Magallo has has a bringer show, but he pays people. They get paid uh, for for all, for the number of people they bring, and. That's and yeah, and it's at a casino uh, that there are going to be a lot of people there, who, and you get a lot of exposure of that. It's a good. It's not necessarily a negative thing in that respect. Uh, but there's a payout. There's that's different. Right. Like I feel much differently about it if, it if there was a solid payout. Right. For sure. Yeah. Some people. Sometimes you get paid in minutes. So like, if you bring like an extra, for every extra person you bring, you get like an extra minute up to. A certain point otherwise i don't want to say what the dollar amount is but it's not a high dollar amount but it's something but yeah, yeah you know it, it's not a five o'clock let's go into a fucking comedy club at five o'clock at night i mean well, basically- i mean I, so i've been researching like going to like the open mics and stuff like that and i mean if i want to hit like multiple in the night i definitely got to start at like five o'clock Okay, so, yeah, no, but uh, definitely, and but what you're paying, what you're doing that, you're paying your dues there, you're playing for the club manager, you're playing for yeah. the bartenders who can say, yeah, that guy was really good, let's get him on at like an 8 o'clock spot now. That's And that, I have no problem with that, but charging you to come in at 5 o'clock, so you got to pay $15 to get on the thing, you have to bring five people, and it's at 5 o'clock at night, and then you you know the manager's not even looking at you. He's like, he's thinking, look at this stupid bastard, just paid me $15 and brought five people, and he's, he's performing for his friends now. That's it. Like, Fuck yeah. that. Now, I, I, did, I did do a show where I opened for a nationally touring comic at a small venue, and we had, we were we were given tickets to sell. We want names. You got You don't say nationally touring comic. We want names. No, we'll beat, no, we'll beat it out of you. No, we'll, the reason the reason why I don't say it is because some people get impressed. Some people go like, "Well, I hate that guy," and it's not about the comic. It's about me and my story. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we'll we'll, we'll beat yeah. it out of you. We'll we'll hold your wife hostage and and electrocute her while you watch. Until you you give us give up the name, and I will be there to rescue you from my wife if you try to hold her hostage. Uh, but <laughs> my wife, yeah, I, you know what? I feel like I I would not. I would. I pity anyone that would kidnap my wife. Like she, and if she's gonna be talking, you don't watch enough twenty four. You don't watch enough twenty four or uh, what is that show? The Blacklist. She does. She uh, watches that all the time. Believe me, she's waiting for her opening. Yeah, yeah. My, my wife is a very capable woman. Ass. She does not. My, my <laughs> wife is the white um, Fonnie Willis. She don't, don't need a show. man. A man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion. Those <laughs> shows are always like Batman. Like you're always gonna. You know they're always gonna escape the most impossible situation. You're you're Bro, handcuffed to a chair. That's why I hated the movie 2012 because fucking it was just like scene after scene. Of there's no way that somebody would live through all that, especially if they were just like 
Like, like it's not like he was like an ex. The character was an ex Navy SEAL or anything like that. It's just a regular Joe Blow. Surviving. The thing is, they still manufacture the drama somehow. You know, this is ridiculous. There's no way that a, a, in real life anybody would get out of the situation. He's locked in the trunk of a car, ziplocked hands, and still he's going to get out and take the gun away I mean, from the guy. And most most trunks do have like a lever in, like a pull thing inside the trunk now. Even with your yeah, hands, new, All right, let me add a few hand. details here. Shot and shot in the ball, shot in the in the ribs. He's got his hands ziplocked and feet ziplocked. He's in the trunk. He's gagged. He's blindfolded, yeah. but he's still gonna get out and get your gun and, and get away somehow. He probably oh, had speaking, a Swiss Army knife. Of... Probably had, back in the old days, they had a, always had a Swiss Army knife in their shoe, and that's how they got away. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Every every good crime fighter, every good crime fighter had a Swiss Army knife. Well, let me let me add one more detail. Your your Swiss Army knife is broken, and you're <laughs> ziplocked and all that stuff. Okay, Belgian only, Belgian only Army the knife. They're not works. as good. The Belgian Army knife is not as good as the Swiss Army knife, but it still has the corkscrew. So right. yeah. So so speaking of uh, putting people in trunks, have we talked about these mob movies yet? The what? The mafia movies. Oh no! Well, I, I switched it up again. <laughs> back to again? yeah. Well, I went back to the original thing, but here and let's do this. Uh, it's a good time. Uh, you know what? Let me do a real quick commercial first. Really quick commercial. Uh, what's the quickest commercial we have to get? Just to get probably Daily com- High Club. I'm guessing. Daily High Club is kind of. Uh, what about well, the Bogo? Wow. Is the Bogo still going on? The Bogo, the Bogo, yes, the Bogo is going on for the rest of September. But that's a two yeah, minute, I'm, two second commercial. Let's. Yeah, I'll do two it. Two and two. I'll be at that conference today. I think it's in Luminar Neil. Yeah, you know what? I'll do Luminar Neil. This one, all the all the dollars for this. Help Willie out. You know what? If you if you have any use for photo manipulation software, and you yes, Adobe stuff is forty nine ninety nine a month. This is much cheaper. It's it's more powerful, less uh, learning curve, and it's either Luminar Neo or Neo Luminar. But it's <laughs> it's, it's Luminar Neo. Yeah, it's I've I've tried it, sampled it. It's really good, and you don't need any learning curve. You don't need to be uh, you don't need to be uh, what what do you call what do you call? You don't need to be good. All you need to be is wanting. Uh, it's it's great software, uh, and the link is uh, in the description here. And uh, if you could, if I could put that Luminar Neo Skylum that that whole thing. You know, I'll just leave it scrolling there while we do this. Uh, so yeah, the the song category that GD proposed with uh, songs with guys singing ridiculously high notes. That is a hard thing to Google. If you Google that, you get nothing. But I did find a list of the twenty seven. Hardest, hardest songs for men to sing. They oh, all have high it. notes in it, but it's not, I'll, 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 spoiler alert, Aha is not in this list. Uh, Aha. Okay, so I'm definitely going to say Keeper of the Stars has got to okay. be on that list. Let me just say, when we get to, if we get, if somebody who guesses the number one song on here is going to win a t-shirt, I just want to uh, preface this by saying, I ain't buying t-shirts every fucking day, all right, uh, for people. I've got, I'm looking into getting new prizes and prize contributors, concert tickets, comedy tickets, maybe even books and stuff from our guests and stuff like that. But I'm not going to be buying T-shirts for everybody every fucking single day here. So let's just set that precedent. 
I'm <laughs> going to I'm going to guess Star Spangled Banner is a difficult song to sing for most people. Uh well, I'm glad you you mentioned that. It's not on the list, but back in the day, and back in the day when we were first starting the Rock and 40 45, we got asked to perform uh the Star Spangled Banner at a uh a sporting event and mikey i got took him aside and said listen you got to start it in the right note because your range is is limited yeah. you have to start yeah. it here and we will practice it oh say starting down there for him because yeah. Yeah, yeah. by the time you get to dawn's early light your balls are going to be and okay okay i got it. oh oh say and then we got out in, into the field and he go and ready mike oh i was like oh here we go He's never gonna make the high notes on this. And here comes the aneurysm. <laughs> he would the the veins in his neck was shooting out. He's turning around, looking at me, and this tears in his eyes. Like I'm not gonna make it. I'm gonna make a fool of myself. <laughs> all these so I told you, start low. Where? Yeah. All of a sudden, it's starting high. So no, Star Spangled Banner's not in the list. I just, uh, can't what about like Keeper of the, the Stars? Keeper of the Stars is not in the list. Uh, reasons reasons by earth wind and fire hold on slow down we got to get give the people in the chat room some chances to no kind of... no they don't they don't count oh uh, okay read count oh staying alive by the Bee Gees. Uh, read? i don't think that, that's not in the list i don't i'm trying to think of why that would be a really hard song oh yeah that is pretty high yeah right? yeah yeah um but that's falsetto it's not full what about voice. walk like a man Oh, that's not in the list, but that's a good one. Are um, you freaking kidding me? No, this is a good list. So, I mean, they are hard songs to sing. I know this. For, uh, um, I'm going to start with 27. 27 starts with a Journey song. It's uh, Don't Stop. Is it Don't Stop Believing? Yeah. Don't, yeah. Uh, 27 sure. is Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Uh, sure. 26, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm surprised it got higher, honestly. Also, yeah. all those harmonies are, you know, yeah, um, under pressure. Uh, but that's not that's that's just in the, in the middle. There are you some know. high parts, but that again, that goes to falsetto. Where, oh, but now what? So these are difficult songs to sing. What about Hardest, God by Eminem? According to this list, they are by and put together by a vocal coach. The twenty five or uh, twenty seven hardest songs for men to sing. I'm gonna. Rap God's got to be on there. Or do they count rap songs? Right there. Um, there are because like I could sing some Eminem, but I can't sing Rap God. There are some that uh, seem like they. No, I don't see any really rap songs here. Uh, Could you repeat the topic for Kelly? Kelly said she missed the topic. Happy birthday, well, Kelly! Twenty-seven hardest songs for men to sing. Um, and happy they birthday, are, Kelly! And they, these are mostly full voice. Uh, melodic they are there's no rap songs in here they are full voice um not necessarily any like high falsettos in here but actually what about what about she's like the wind by patrick swayze <laughs> are you frozen or are you just staring at me right now I, i'm just trying to process that uh, i couldn't <laughs> yes. even think you're right you're right kelly that is a hard one to sing for um, Goodbye Stranger on Super Tramp. Oh, yeah. Super Tramp is pretty high, uh, high. you know, not enough falsetto either, full voice high. Uh, but and it's red. not necessarily high. It's yeah. hard, most difficult because sometimes 
it's not the highness of the note. It's the uh, difference go and in going from uh, chest voice to to head voice and full voice. And also um, the syllables, because some syllables don't do well with right. certain pitches. Right. So number 25 is we're going down by Fallout Boy. Oh, Sugar, we're going down by Fallout Boy. I don't know that song. I don't know either. Because yeah. I'm too old. I'm too old and too too lame to know that song. Um, number 24, How Am I Supposed to Live Without You by Michael Bolton. Now, is that the same as How Do I Live Without You by Leanne, Leanne Rimes, or is that a different song? No, because that, that's a different song. That's, uh, yeah, How Do I Live is, yeah, that's totally different. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, that's I, one I, that I kind of Trisha Yearwood released it like the same time. Oh, yeah, okay, so the Bolton ones, that's the, I can't, how do I, I can't live with living is without you. No, no, no. No? No, that's Harry Nielsen. Uh, how am I supposed to live with it? How? I don't know. I could. I can't play it because I'll play it. We'll get a copyright strike. It's released in 1983. Michael Bolton uh, strikes again with imp uh, impressively uh, powerful vocals. Uh, you know, he was a metal singer before he became that crooner guy. But uh, there's not a whole lot of. And he was a guitar player, guitar metal player, and singer for a very brief period before he became this. Uh, you know, that long-haired. Uh, well, Frank Sinatra of his era. I was, about, I was about to say, I was going to maybe there's some Frank Sinatra songs in there because his style of crooning was a little bit different than others, you know. But... Baby Come Back. No, that's a, a that's not really that difficult. Oh, every fucking cover band on Long Island plays that fucking song. Um, uh, what about number... um, The Righteous Brothers? It's got to be. Uh, yeah, that's in there. Um, what's the uh, Un unchained, unchained melody? Me yeah, yeah, unchained yeah. melody is in there. Uh, number twenty-three is uh, "What Do You Want from Me" by Adam Lambert. Adam Lambert's got a high voice, but I think yeah, he's he had does. his balls cut off. Um, well, what about um, yeah, Jimmy Somerville? Um, he did a remake of the BG song. Uh, is that right? Certain time. Oh, to love oh, somebody. What about what about you're the one that I want from Greece? That's a tough song. Not not in the list. And, okay, what about Summer Nights? Not in the list. What the fuck? Summer that that note at the end? Come on, bro. Come uh, on. I know that could be difficult, but according to this vocal coach who put this together, these are the twenty. And listen, I'm not necessarily saying this guy. Okay, what about reasons for Earth, Wind, and Fire? No. Not in the really. List. Not in the list. Uh, I'll be surprised if anybody guesses number one today, so I probably won't have to buy a T-shirt today. That's a good stuff. Uh, Tiptoe to the Tulips. No, that's uh, Falsetto, by the way. Yes, yeah, Falsetto uh, all the way, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, also very difficult to play the ukulele, so. Yeah. Uh, where was I? Number 20. <laughs> number, number, ukulele sucks because, well, I don't really like the instrument to start off with but it, some people can play it very well but i hate it because it, it it throws you off by putting a high string before the low like on a guitar though the top string the highest up in in off the ground is the lowest string the lowest sound on a ukulele they start with the highest string and then they start with the low strings after that like what you need to sit that to fuck me up? You, that's on purpose, just to fuck with my head. There was, there's a band. There was a band. They're not together anymore. I don't think they're called Scaparande, and they had a rhythm lead. You could, you know, they had a lead guitarist, but also had a ukulele player who played lead and rhythm ukulele. 
lead and rhythm ukulele. Yeah, you know, sometimes you play chord, sometimes you play the ukulele solo. I don't think anybody's going to get any of these songs. Now, 22. What about Be My Baby Tonight by John Michael Montgomery? Not in the list. That's a, what? Uh, number uh, 22 is a Foo Fighters song. Best of You. Now, number 21, I think you guys will agree this is a very hard song to sing. It's uh, by Seal. Oh, Kiss from a Rose? That's it, yes. I don't think I know that song. Oh, yeah. You you would know it if you heard it. You definitely would know it. It was on the Batman Forever soundtrack. That's kind of where it gained uh, most of it. I think it was a song of a year, number one song of a year when it came out. Let me see. Uh, um, 1994. Am I correct on that Batman Forever thing? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, but it's really powerful high notes. Ne- number 20 is another Michael Bolton song. Fucking, fucking Michael Bolton, dude. You know, but I, I was what? on a road trip. Let me just say it's not to... a Michael Bolton song. It's a cover. Okay. It's a, uh, what, what GD would call a remake. I got to tell you this real quick. So... I was on a road trip to go to Ozfest in 2000, and this girl Amanda that was with us, we were uh, we were hot tubbing because uh, uh, we were staying in Minneapolis the night before we went to uh, Wisconsin for the festival. And um, when we're sitting out there hot tubbing, they got music playing or whatever, and the girl Amanda goes, "Is this?" Is this Michael Bolton? And both me and my buddy look at each other like, we don't fucking know. And then the fucking announcer comes across and says, that was such and such by Michael Bolton. And she's like, and now keep in mind, we're on a road trip to go to Ozfest. This girl, Amanda, just goes, I think I'll go kill myself now. (laughs) 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 For knowing, for knowing that it was Michael All right, the Michael Bolton, the Michael Bolton cover is when a man loves a woman. That is, uh, That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Now again, this is not necessarily the highest notes. He's a, a, according to his vocal coach, the hardest songs for it's men the to switch sing. Yeah, no, I I can tell okay, what they're well, talking about. It's like the switches. Yeah. What about um "Feels So Good" by um uh Chuck Mangione? That's pretty hard to sing. Uh, it's almost impossible to sing, right? Yeah, is that on the list? Well, it's because the words are so difficult. Yeah, I mean, what about I, Lady by Kenny Rogers? Did Kenny Rogers make the list? No, that's no, yeah. that that's uh, that's not on the list. Listen, if you've heard enough people cover it, it's probably not on this list because you know then it's not obviously not one of the hardest. These songs that you almost never hear people like when a man loves a woman. I have heard people cover it, but they were covering the Percy Sledge version, and that's still right. difficult. But. Uh, now, what, now, number nineteen is an Elton there. John song. I was letting Evil. I was letting Ian know that Aha is not on there. Take on me. We no, just, yeah, that we just scratched that early. Yeah, that we. I prefaced that before we even started with with that one. Uh, number nineteen is. Uh, I'm just going to run through these because our guest is already in the green room. Even though we still have about eight or ten minutes before she's due in. Um, Number 19, an Elton John song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? I don't oh, know okay, what's so. difficult in that. Knowing what the song is? Because I don't know if I know that song. Can are you, you are feel... You, it's are from, you um, me, bro? From The Lion King. From The Lion King, right. I, okay, yeah. I don't know any Lion King songs. I don't 
from either version. Not the, guy who that was like like the first the Disney movie version. I got to watch. I don't know the Lion King. Okay, I know a couple. Oh, Sugar, of that's a good guess. Sugar by Maroon Five, that's a good guess, Kelly. That is a good guess, but it's not on the list. Eighteen is really? Michael. Eighteen is a Michael Jackson song. Uh, listen, there's a couple. Man in the Mirror. No, well, I like well, I like human nature, but that's not hard to sing. It's just a very good, very well, yeah, nice song. A beautiful, it's a beautiful um, song, human nature. Bad, bad, okay. I don't, that, whole, that whole album is bad, but in the good way. Yeah, <laughs> Ismo has a great piece on English language in the oh, I fucking yeah, no, I love that guy. The ass <laughs> thing. Oh my he's God, coming on by the but not until September, but he's gonna be on the show. Oh, that's wonderful. I love yeah. that guy, he's awesome. Uh, number 17 by Imagine Dragons. You know any Imagine Dragons song? Uh, Thunder, maybe? Or is nope. it Thunder? No. Nope. Um, um, Pain? Nope. Believer. I don't Believe, know Okay, song. yeah, Pain Pain is Believer, but I I, always, I don't know why. I, I. But yeah, Believer, yeah. Okay. Number it's 16 like the, is Guns N' Roses song. Now, there's a couple you might pick out of Guns N' Roses song. But uh, they're probably there. Yeah. Because it, listen, it goes full range. I think he does like five octaves on that song from where do we go to the highest, uh, the highest notes on that. It's pretty, yeah. it's like, that, what about Boston Peace of Mind? But, you know, that kind of flies in the face of what you were saying before, though, because tons of people have covered that Sweet Child of Mine. Tons but not well. Not well. well true. Not, that, and, I mean, that's, that's fair. I will say this: a ton of bands cover it, but they always always seem to have chicks sing the high notes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so these are the hardest songs for men to sing the complete song through. So, yeah. uh, number fifteen is John Bon Jovi, and the modulation in this song kills. Well, I, I've played in bands who tried to cover this song, and nobody can do it after the modulation. Number fifteen is a Bon Jovi song. Any any guesses on this one? Mm, living on a prayer that's it yeah when it because you most people can sing the main part of the song but at the end it has a step and a half um uh and the oo parts are just like it's insane i don't even think he really did that in the studio i think what happened was uh they, they did some manipulation on that deal uh what about kryptonite by three doors down not on not on song uh you know what we covered that song I don't know if that's really that difficult. I don't know. I got to think about it. Well, it's got that big yeah in there. That's why I was number fourteen is uh, by One Republic, and this should be an easy guess for people who know One One Republic. Huh? I don't know One Republic. One Republic. Uh, J U A N. You don't. Oh you've never God. heard of you never heard of One Republic. I've no. heard of them, but I don't know their music. Apologize. Too late to apologize. Too late. Wow, I can't. That was a number one song of a year, too. In, in 2014, I think it was. What was it? Yeah, 2014. What year did you unplug from pop culture? I just want to know, GD. I'd be in the 80s sometime. Uh, Fallout Boy is number 13. Uh, you know any Fallout Boy? I didn't. Wasn't there another Fallout Boy song in this list? There? We had one already, yeah. Yeah. This is uh, Centuries by Fallout Boy. Oh, uh, that's a good one. I love that one. That's a num- good ass song. Number 12 is from the 80s. It's a foreigner song. There's a lot of foreigner oh, songs. Jukebox Hero? No. 
It's not Jukebox Hero. Uh, waiting for a girl like you. No, that's a difficult one too. Yeah, that's that's. Okay, what was it? Did he have uh, GD, you you have to know Foreigner. <laughs> I already named two foreigners. What about the foreigners? Why do I've never left the coast of? No, I do know foreigners. Right. Um, is ice? Is that one of the ice made up with? Uh, cold as ice? ice? No, that was one what of the first. Head games? No, yeah, all like difficult songs because he he was a really good singer. Um, I want to know what love is. Oh ah. sure, yeah, sure. So yeah. that was foreigner too, huh? Yeah. Uh, number eleven is back. Uh, Brian McKnight back at one. I don't know that song. Nineteen ninety nine. Brian McKnight. He was from a boy band, wasn't he? I don't know. Didn't he uh, originally said, start out in a boy band? Kelly says, uh, "Give me shelter by the Rolling Stones." Uh, number ten is Willie guessed this one already. Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. That is a difficult song to sing. Yeah, uh, it is. Number nine is by Usher. Any Usher guesses? <laughs> no. Scream. I don't know that song. Number eight is uh, a Bruno Mars song, and I uh, I can attest that this is uh, just the way you are. It's got to be just the way you. Nope, are. it's not. Uh, but I can I can attest that this is a difficult song because I've played this behind some singers who were really good singers and they butchered it. When I was your name? man, when I was your man. Oh, when I was your man, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I I do love some Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars is pretty fucking. He's good. talented. I just don't know his music. I've, uh, every time I see him play, every time I've seen him play, I'd be like, man, he's talented. But I don't. Yeah, I'd love to see him. Live. And he, I don't think his music. But he's he play he plays everything too. He's really yeah. really good. Um, he's talented. Number, I just don't enjoy his music. Number he's seven is the Aerosmith song. Uh, it's not. Don't want to miss a thing. Dude looks like a lady, maybe. Oh, please, no. That's that's not even a song. Dream, <laughs> dream on. I I'm gonna uh, play oh. spoiler here because uh, we can go all the way to number one. W Willie just guessed it. Is another Aerosmith song. Don't want to miss a thing. That that's what they're saying. It's the hardest song for men to sing. I mean, I've tried it a few times. It it it's killer. It it fucking. Uh, I and I don't think I've done it well any of the times that I've tried it. <laughs> so no, nobody wins again today. So uh... happy that <laughs> yeah. the the prize remains in the in the. Uh, I'll just run really quickly through the rest of these now. Dream on was number seven. Uh, number six is Never Too Much by Luther Vandross. It's a good one. Uh, Crazy by Charles Barkley. Uh, oh yeah, Charles yeah, Barkley yeah. had a song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Niles Barkley. Green. Niles Barkley. Not oh, Charles, Charles Barkley. little brother. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I'll be by Edward's alter ego. I'll be by Edward McCain is number four. Oh, that's a good one. Uh Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls is number three. That is a tough one, yeah. Number two is surprising. Thinking out loud. I, I have to admit, I the only time I've ever played that girl sang it. Uh, I never saw a guy, but he he doesn't have like. Is that a, Ed Sheeran? Who is is that Ed Sheeran? Who, who, yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. surprised there's no Smokey Robinson songs in there or stuff like that because Smokey Robinson, you know, he 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 was a falsetto singer though. A lot, a lot of his stuff was falsetto. He didn't. He very few things did he sing like full voice. Um. Anyway, I was thinking about Smokey the other because his birthday was this week, right? And we brought that up in this day in history or something. Uh, 
But um, yeah, yeah. he's 84. So he was born in 1940, same year as John Lennon. So I was thinking about this, though. John Lennon, who was uh, generally thought of as like um, one of the greatest songwriters, and, and he was just beginning to get his feet wet in recording studios, working under George Martin as a producer, when Smokey Robinson was already the producer for Motown. He was... Yeah. He, so that's how advanced Smokey was at an early age to be uh, the producer at whatever he was twenty or whatever. Yeah. Okay. I mean, was, he was writing. He was he was writing really good songs for some really good groups. Right. You know, he was really talented. Uh, it's time for uh, to uh, just about time to bring in our next guest. I want to play a really no one more commercial uh, before we bring her in and introduce you to uh, our author for today. Uh, True Fire uh, is the best way to learn uh, music online, and they throughout February there's a BOGO uh, sale. One, buy one get one for everything on their site, which means you buy a yearly membership, you get two years of membership, which is a great thing. Uh, check it out truefire.com and we'll be right back. Over 2 million guitar players worldwide learn, practice, and play with Truefire. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. Truefire's educators are the best in the biz, from Grammy Award winners to world-renowned artists. You'll have access... Whoa! Apologize for that right there. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do too many things. I'm going to play half a commercial. Two guitar players worldwide <laughs> learn, practice, and play with Truefire. Our learning tools and I'm, I'm firing myself right now. I am fired. Technical skills, I'll clean out my desk. Rhythm playing and soloing chops. I can't believe I did that. True Fire's educators are the best in the biz. From Grammy Award winners to world-renowned artists. You'll have access to an unparalleled faculty of over 300 top-notch blues, <laughs> rock, jazz, country, fingerstyle, and acoustic guitar educators. Using our desktop and mobile apps, you'll work with Truefire's multi-angle Don't video lessons dare bust on my any chops. device, anytime, production value. Integrated learning tools such as video synced tab and notation, slow-mo, looping, practice jam tracks, and many more handy controls accelerate your learning experience. Truefire's style-specific learning paths guide you every right. step of the way. Use our assessment tools to find your starting point, then follow our lesson recommendations and track your progress as you work through your personalized Truefire study plan. There you go. That's enough of that. <laughs> I That's on my screw-up. Now, Carl thinks, seems to think I'm his whipping boy here talking about my production values. Have you seen The Last Rites uh, talk about production? <laughs> I, um, I think this show is uh, head and shoulders, even though I just made a big screw-up, and I often have screw-ups like that. Uh, head and shoulders above uh, the last rights production value. So don't mess with me. Carl thinks I'm like his whipping boy. He can just kick me when I'm down. Uh, our first, our only guest today, because Ron Kane didn't show up and he's now banned from the program for life. Uh, but his brother Co is welcome anytime. Um, Unless there was death in the family. Jennifer, I am going to apologize 
in advance. I'm sure I'm not the only one who probably has this uh, issue of pronouncing your last name. <laughs> Jennifer Manocherian, I'm hoping that's right, uh, is the author of Alphabet, which is her first novel. Uh, she put much of her personal and professional life experience into writing it, having been a family therapist, a divorce mediator, Broadway and off-Broadway producer, musical book writer, screenwriter, and producer and screenwriting teacher. She co-wrote and produced the films uh, Family Blues and Boundary Waters, which is currently in production, as well as wrote the book of two musicals that are, uh, alter, uh, that are streaming online. She's here now. Uh, Jennifer, please help me pronounce your last name. Is it Manocherian? Is it, I... Exactly. That's it. Wow. Well, welcome. Thank you for being part of the program. Let me put you down here and get him no, up there. You had it right. <laughs> What am I doing on this program? I don't know. We're we're talk, we're, we're here to talk about you. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Uh, we're here to talk about your book. I know. Uh, I need a cover. You need the cover. I got it. Oh, you do. Look, look on the screen. You see it on the oh, screen. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Now you have so, to play me music from the fifties. <laughs> oh, you know what? There were no fifty songs in our top is so, uh, fifty songs of uh, um, uh, yeah, of but it's because they song. didn't do falsettos. They didn't do any songs that had falsettos, really, and that's why. In the fifties? Are you kidding? No, you know, I'm saying since I'm I saying don't have you is is very uh, and it's full voice and it's way up there. Since I, since I don't have you, a fifty song. Uh, I forget who did that now, but anyway, oh, let's. 50s. All right, whatever. I'm not. I'm not going to be able to be tested on music. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's all. <laughs> that's a a D. I get a D. E F. Yeah. Uh, now the book. Why? Why? Why become an author after all that? All that great career experience. What prompted you to uh, say, I, "I, it's time for me to write a novel." Well, I, I didn't quite wake up one morning and ask myself that question, but I had, um, I've, I've always liked to write. I write in different forms and I have a, a friend, I have a bunch of friends who are writers, novel writers. And I didn't think I, I was just curious. I like to test myself. So one of my friends said she was, she's leading a group at the local library. It meets every other week for two hours. Maybe I'd like to join and see if I could, you know, just write a short story. So, um, I, so I did. This was maybe nine, ten years ago. And I actually loved it. It's a different form of every every way you write is a very different skills and crafts involved. There are some basics, obviously, but in terms of you know character, plot, so forth. But but how you write is very different. And I really kind of took to it. I liked it a lot. But I didn't ever think I was gonna write a novel, but I started creating some characters. And and I just enjoyed it. And I, in that every summer, a bunch of us will go away uh, for a week on a writing retreat and we'll all write on different things. And at the time, I was working on other things, but I started gradually building into my weeks away, working on these characters a little more. And it came to me at some point. I mean, it's just, it's such a process that I can't even say at what point it came to me that, wait a minute, maybe there's a novel here. <laughs> Uh, because a novel is like minimally 60,000 words. And I thought if I could do it uh, 5,000, I would be like, you know, getting whatever Nobel Prize or something. I mean, it's, I <laughs> it's mean, it's difficult. It it's very, is. so it just, it was just so, the, it was so beyond my imagination that I could do it. 
that I, I didn't really think of it like I'm going to write a novel. But COVID rolled around. And at that point, I, I was I had an office in the city. For, and I was more involved in theater and doing other things. And my office closed down. And I'm at home and I'm not commuting. And I ha have that block of time. And I just decided at that point I was going to take it seriously. I mean, I really committed myself to it. And it was a huge challenge. But it was... I, I just, I loved it. I, you know, then I, that's when I would wake up in the morning and run to my computer with full of ideas and uh, work on it. But it was, it was work. I have to say, uh, so I'm, I'm a fast worker. I mean, when, when I get something, I work pretty quickly. I'm, but then I'm, I'm also very, I'm also a drone. <laughs> I'm very good at going back over it. I mean, I edit endlessly. But it took a lot of work, and it also took a lot of input from my writer friends who would read it, my people that you, I... I'm you sorry. know, it's interesting, because you just said you edit constantly. The one thing, the one piece of advice most authors I've interviewed say, don't edit while you're writing. Wait till you've finished, complete, complete a draft, and then go back and edit. You were editing as you were... No, no. No, oh. I, I agree with that advice. In fact, that's what I'm doing now with the, I'm working on a second novel, which is based on one of the characters in my novel. Um, but it's, uh, I am doing that same thing. I'm just trying to lay the whole damn thing down. <laughs> and, and then when I get it, I'll start to look at it and, and kind of get some perspective on it. And, and if I feel like it's worth anybody's time, ask a couple of people to read it and give me feedback. And then, you know, then, start working on it and in fact with my novel it's um oh my god i've done i did a lot of drafts but it <laughs> but the the it has multiple points it's got seven different characters who have different multiple points of view so the characters that i had were not all when i began it's not like they were all integrated and part of the life of this woman we're looking at uh bet they had to be i had to kind of figure out how everybody would be linked in a way that they were part of this woman and the, the building she lived in and the invitation she had to the dinner party the night that she all of a sudden sprung on everybody that she wanted a dinner party. It's a small group because she's 95, doesn't have a lot of people left, but she wakes up one morning and makes a decision to have a dinner party and nobody knows why. And so all of these people have a reason to be there and, the, and we get to know them along the way through their different points of view and going into their backstory, but it all happens in the course of a day. Can you um, put it into a genre? Is it a mystery? Is it? No, a... no it's not a mystery. It's it's just literary fiction. Um, I I don't think I can refine it any more than that. Um, is it? I don't think it's women's. It's written by a woman, but I don't. I have plenty of men who have read it who don't think of it as a woman's book. It's not. It's not like a romance novel. <laughs> right. oh, I hate romance novels. I, 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 and I t I've had romance novelists on, and I tell them that uh, up front. It's like, if, uh, I help you <laughs> promote the book and all that stuff. But Rome, are you, you're talking to somebody who just uh, well, has very I'm low. with you. I'm with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a snob. I'm a literary snob. Yeah. Um, you know, my standards are... <laughs> and it's... I don't know. I don't. Oh, it's got it's got a little bit of magic realism in it. I'm trying to think of the categories they put it in. Magic uh, realism. Well, yeah. a little bit. It has a medium in it. Well, oh well, that stuff well relates so to. It has, 
Yeah. Big, big time. Will loves that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I've I've interviewed probably in my life, I would, no exaggeration, at least 1,500 psychic mediums. Uh, obviously, uh, we use those words together, psychic mediums. They're not the same thing. Psychic and medium are different things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but almost all of them carry both. Both. <laughs> well, they work in the supernatural. I mean, they work right. in the, you know kind of uh, fields that every nobody trusts. <laughs> right. Now, I mean, there's a. I mean, it's really interesting. Sometimes when I'm driving in the car, <laughs> there's a there's an ad that comes on a lot about California mediums. Yes. Yeah. That is, they give you a ninety-eight percent guarantee if it doesn't work. I mean, it's very tempting. <laughs> Do you have a, a belief system around that? Are you a, um, a believer in in people who can communicate beyond this uh, existence? I, and I, the answer is, uh, I'm an agnostic. I don't, I don't know what's real. I, I yeah, really don't. Me too. You know, I yeah. mean, I've heard stories that really are kind of mind-boggling. I mean, I, I think it's fascinating. And listen, I mean, where? Do, how come? Look at a look at a ocean. Uh, one of these nature shows on TV, and the amount of fish there are, the amount of where did these? I mean, it's just our world is so astounding in so many ways. Yeah, and, we, and yeah. we have no idea what the hell it's about. I mean, we. I'm sorry, but it's just to me, it's. There's a lot of mystery, and so I, I... I agree. I definitely agree. One of the things that uh, I, I'm really confused by is people who are just... Because I was watching uh, Matt Delahunty and Jordan Peterson argue about whether or not there were God, or there's an existence of God. And I'm like, why are these people so interested in making other people believe in what they believe? Now, right. can't... Uh, you know what? You can believe what you want to believe, and I, I'm all yeah. for anybody who thinks they figured it out. I don't know, but to be so emotionally tied to making people believe what you believe is really crazy. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I'm with you, yeah. and and unfortunately, the need to do that has caused a lot of wars. Right, yeah. a lot of problems. It really has. I have just written a song about that. It's called uh, With God on Their Side. And it's about how every war is started with people who believe that God is on their side in this war. And it's, right. it's like, you know, you're saying the the entity that you believe created us all wants you to kill the other his other children. <laughs> well, it's over a woman and then God joins the battle later. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, the concept that just the word God is, is like a name which signifies like a, a, a person, you know, a person. I mean, yeah, it's all men in the sky. It's all the whole thing. I mean, it's it's the personification of it is really pretty unbelievable. I, you know, I, I agree. It's really um, it's a fascinating thing, the way people believe and, and why, as you say, they want others to believe the same thing. It's also all wars are started with greed, too. But right. I guess yeah. you have God on your side with the greed as well. Yeah. Christopher Hitchens, the late English writer, who was right. a phenomenal writer, he wrote he wrote a book called God is Not Great, and it's a really it's a fantastic book. But uh, right after he wrote it, he was writing at that time for, in fact, he died writing articles about his cancer on Vanity Fair, and so all these readers started wondering, okay, now that he has cancer, does he believe in God? Right. Has this, it, changed, has this changed your belief system? And uh, of course it didn't. I mean, 
I, I don't think that it's fair to say, of course, it didn't, because there's a lot of people that go through something like that, and it gives them a semblance of faith. Yeah, sure. but they didn't oh, base their whole it. life on trying to convince the world of of their belief of none. Well, <laughs> it also like, depends on the person. I'm sorry to interrupt, but Christopher Hitchens, I mean, yeah. that was not a man whose mind was going to be changed. Somebody yeah, yeah. Else, maybe somebody else. Yeah. yeah, I think Lee Strobel is a good example of that. He was a Chicago Tribune uh, writer and reporter, and uh, he actually set out to prove that God wasn't real. Right. And through through that, he actually found that was how he found God to be real. Is when he went to discredit the you know that stuff he found. Right. There's a movie based on his book. Right. Yes, there is. Um, so well, uh, I don't mean to deter, uh, derail this conversation because we want to talk about your book. <laughs> no, but that's I mean, it's an interesting conversation because even the idea that proving God isn't real uh, suggests that there is such a thing as God to begin with. Right. right. I like Carl Sagan's uh, of take on it is you can't really have this discussion until we can actually agree on a definition of what is meant by the word God because there are eight billion uh, definitions of the word and if we can't just uh, you know what do you mean by God do you believe in God well is there Einstein's God or is it the Christian God right. or a lot you of know. different gods to believe yeah. in yeah. well in the meantime well, I've alienated every reader who believes right yeah <laughs> Um, I've, but, lost, I've lost the audience. <laughs> yeah. Now you've had uh, a lot of different careers. Now you're an author, and you just uh, told us that you're working on a second book. It seems like you've been uh, bitten by the authorship bug a little bit here. Uh, uh, now, did you learn anything about the business of publishing that uh, is just like a really a turn off about? Uh, that part of it. Uh, well, now I don't want to turn off all the one be writers. Um, but <laughs> I, 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 it's like I've spent, I, the book came out in September. And since then, my, it's been a takeover, you know, learning how to, and learning how to, even the, even people who are, you know, who are published by major publishing houses, you have to do so much. Yeah. It's a learning thing. You have to learn uh, how to market your book. And, um, it's been, it's not, it's not really what I signed on for. But I, I cannot say I wasn't warned, because yeah. all the people in my writing group have been published last year also, and they kept telling me, "Yeah, are you building your social media? Are you doing this? Are you doing that?" And I'd say, "Please, I don't want to hear about it. I just want to write. I want to get this right. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it." Which was, you know, pretty. Uh, Is that different from your previous careers, like in, in musical production and stuff like that? Uh, did you have that same kind of epiphany that all I wanted to do was create the art? I didn't want to get involved in all the aspects of the business that are not fun. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I, it's like I have blinders on about what's going to happen. It's like I'm not thinking about the end. Like, for example, I've had this uh, musical we did called Mary Harry. Um, when I say we, I mean the composers. Uh, uh, Dan Martin is the composer and D Michael Biello is the lyricist. And we have our director was uh, Bill Castellano. And we worked together. We're working on other. We're, we have another project we're working on, too. And and I love working with them. And it's very collaborative when we work. And I, I love the process of it. And then. When it starts to get real and if we're doing a production, we go into rehearsals and I love all of that. And then all of a sudden, 
audiences come in and they start to judge what you've done. And as far as I'm concerned, I want to be like in uh, on the moon or something. I mean, I just hate, I hate that. I hate, I start becoming the biggest judge of it, of anybody. And I start to hate what I'm doing. And, and if I'm working like in theater where I may not have had any writing involved, but producing, I start to think it stinks and we're never going to, it's going to fail. And, and people don't want to be around me when I do that. I get, I get so negative. I get, <laughs> I get so afraid and I get very negative and I start to not believe in it. And it's, a, it's just, a, it's just my own insecurities, but it's a process I go through. Imposter not, syndrome. Yeah. It's I, not fun. It's just yeah. not any fun. It's really hard when that, when that happens, but it, but I love, so it's like, and I keep going into some things like that. I mean, when you write a book, you get reviewed. Now, mostly I've been, I've had some amazing reviews and it's been really, it, it, I mean, it's very gratifying to yeah. get good reviews. And it's, and actually some of the reviews that have, some people may not like the ending, which I don't care if they don't like the ending because it's, I like the ending, you know? Um, <laughs> but I mean, the reviews that are really are hard to, for me are like um you know i really i really loved it and i loved this and i loved that and then they'll give it like three stars or something you know it's like come on mm. can you be a little bit more generous <laughs> <laughs> oh reviews are uh and the people who leave them especially online it's you know what it's much more gratifying and listen i i haven't had this actually done for my, my uh, myself but or in authorship but to pers the personal reviews when people at a performance or something give you the face-to-face -face, uh enthusiastic reviews and even because they're not leaving stars and they're not like this impersonal thing where you have to wonder you know what they really what their intent was and all that stuff yeah but i don't ever believe them yeah that's true too yeah i have a tough time taking compliments yeah i mean i you know you but if, you can tell when it's really sincere when it's unexpected or when it's yeah, really yeah. very specific. I mean, yeah. like, for example, one of the, it was an online review, but somebody had written that um, her mother or her grandmother, somebody was uh, an old person and they were dealing with a lot of things with old age and this book had been helpful to them. Well, it's not really a lot about old age. It's about a lot of things. But, but I believe, I actually believe the person read the book <laughs> and, and got something out of it. Not, you know, so... <laughs> I don't know. I have my own kind of radar for figuring out if people are sincere or not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you talked about the ending and you being happy with the ending. That's great. Uh, but a lot of what, what I'm seeing now, because I interview lots of authors, and what happens is it doesn't feel like it's finished at the end of it. And it, one book becomes a series of books. Is the next book, is uh, Bet is in your next book, or have you finished her story and that's the end of it? I've Well, I've... I, I felt like I'd taken it as far as I could take it. You know, it's so I mean, I'm not saying it's great or anything. All I'm saying is that I'm, I couldn't, there was nothing more I could do to make it better. That's how I felt. <clears throat> um, um, I worked also with, I, I don't know if I mentioned it, I had a developmental editor who was, who would have, who really gave me a hard time. Yeah. But, but not a hard time, but she gave me amazing notes and they were really, really helpful to me. I mean, for example, uh, in, in the book, uh, the woman is a widow and her husband has died five years ago. And he's kind of a, he's, she had suggested that at one point I was going to have him like a ghost and I didn't do that. Um, I, in fact, I had a prologue at one point that if I would die, if I looked at it now, 
but it was I, I didn't I couldn't quite figure out you know where he belonged but he did belong and she suggested that I find a way to connect him to all the other characters so it's kind of a through line and that type of a suggestion was really good and you know I hadn't come to it on my own there are a lot of things you think god why didn't I think you know you feel like an right. idiot with some of the notes you get like how did yeah, I fix yeah. that and why didn't I but I I didn't I felt I feel closure on that book and you now, know I feel I'm sorry go ahead uh well you said that your second book that you're working on is based on one of the characters from your first book can you tell us which character it's, the second book is about Yes, there's a woman who lives across from the uh, bet, and her name is Miss Seidenstricker. And I took her name from a teacher I hated in school. And, <laughs> and nice. she has, cathartic. It's cathartic. Oh my God. She, I once yeah. cursed, I was, you know, I'm old. So, and when I was young, people didn't curse the way I've been listening. And well, I do it to myself. You know, listen, I have. Uh, the world has changed, but I think I once said shit in a class and I was sent to the headmistress and, and I was switched to a different Latin. It was a Latin class and it was a much lower class I was switched to. I mean, I was so pissed off and she's always, anyway, she's always been somebody who's in my mind. I mean, I'm, I'm much softer when I think about her now, but I just, I loved her name and I just kind of connoted with you know, an old maid teacher, you know, with the bun and stuff. And, <laughs> and I know she's got to be long dead and she, I don't, I'm quite sure she never married. So I don't think she has children. Wow. So I, I don't think I've hurt anybody by using her name, but yeah. I, but I, but you know, she's in the book, of course, everybody has to have it. All the characters have things they have to, you know, go through by the time they get to the dinner party and they will all be altered in some way. And she's no different. She softens, but and you understand her a little. But I wanted to give her a whole different story. That it's 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 um I have an, another character from it. Uh, a couple of other characters I'm using, um, and one is like the night aide to the old lady who was actually her nemesis, Miss Seidenstricker, Gertrude Seidenstricker. I wanted the worst name I could think of. I mean, if, if you have better names, tell me. I'm open for it. But, Matt Napo. I think Matt Napo is a pretty hideous name. What the? Dude. I'm just kidding. I'm just dude. What's a terrible name? Oh, his. Uh, oh, his the host. Well, first of all, he, does, he, can't, he can't pronounce it correctly, so that oh, could be a reason right. why. I'm, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> no, no, I understand. Even though I was a mediator. Don't worry. Don't worry. He's here. never going to be on the show again. He's, he's actually, he's gone now, actually. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, do that to me if I say something you don't like. <laughs> I get fired once a week. It's, yeah, or it's once okay. a day, actually. Um, <laughs> the cover, did you did you uh, have any input in the cover? The cover yeah. is a very interesting cover. I will have to say, for a 95-year-old lady, she's pretty hot, uh, which is kind of... <laughs> she's still well, very attractive. You don't see many 95-year-old uh, women who... Uh, well, that can be, she can still be pretty. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I get wrinkles and the white hair and stuff. She is yeah. attractive. Um, you know, I don't know how old the, it, you know, to be, I put the, I it entered it into a contest and uh, the cover and they had, you have to give a guarantee that there was no AI involved. And so I went back to the design team. I had worked with their design team at the publisher and I, they had presented a version of her, um, 
initially, I would get like four or five different cover ideas and based on things I had sent to them. And then they would send me things. And they sent a version of her initially, and I rejected all of them. And then they sent another batch, and I went back to her. And apparently, even though it was, I think, a, a photograph, there was some, some AI was involved. So I wasn't able to use it. The artist had used some AI. That's interesting. I I can't. Do you know, uh, know the reasoning behind why they uh, insist that no AI be involved? Well, I guess in this world where everybody's so afraid of nothing being created by, they wanted it to be the people right. creating it. No, that's um, good though. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Good. Well, we're in a new world, so who knows what the you know? You have to feed the AI. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, for example, right. when I gave them some idea, when I was coming up with ideas initially, I went to one of these AI th sites and I put in kind of a synopsis or kind of a sense of who this woman was. And I then I put in different artists who I thought I'd love to see how it was done by like Picasso or I Matisse. And then I also put in Hockney. And what came back to me. What I, what I got from the Hockney was those colors, which I really like. They're very, you know, when you think of Hockney and like the swimming pools and stuff, he has very, some of the colors are very bright and, and I think it pops. But, yeah, it does. but yeah, I also, no, cool yeah, but I worked, but so I don't know what they did. I don't know how they generated it because it was very little AI, but I switched, I mean, maybe they did it like I switched the color of her um, shirt I switched the color of her glasses. I think I made them, had them make it tinted. I don't know, put lipstick. I don't remember what the original looked like. I think I changed her earrings so they wouldn't interfere with the title. And I played around a lot with them too on the title, the colors of the font, the font type, where my name would be. Um, I worked with them on it. Uh, I have a good uh, visual uh, eye for this type of thing, I think. I, I think you, you, the uh, cover is very effective and it is yeah. very compelling. And, you, you know, it's so silly that the old adage, you can't judge a book by its cover, but 99% of book by uh, people do. I judge it by the binding usually. <laughs> well, I think the title and the cover do give you information about the book and who this woman is. Well, I'm curious about the title because obviously Bet is her name, but Alpha is generally something that is reserved to males, Alpha male. Uh, Whoa. Well, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, yeah, in, I, I think of it more as somebody who's top dog. I don't know. Right. I, I agree. But top bitch. I'm talking about in, I'm not necessarily ah. right or wrong here. I'm just saying in common usage, you hear that far more often than you would uh, about a female being an alpha. But I think yeah, that's Rachel, part of what Rachel draws Bradley, you to it, though, Rachel too. Rachel Bradley is a comedian, and she uses, one of her shows was Alpha Chick. Oh, that's uh, a good yeah. one. Well, I mean, an alpha, you know, a lot of it, too, is like, who's, which of your dogs is the alpha dog? You know, if you have two dogs, you know, right. I, yeah. I think it can be applied in many ways. It took me... I, I having been in theater, and, and actually one of the shows that I was involved in early on in a very, very minimal way, although I s still deposit my checks, and that is Stomp, because Stomp to me, That's a beautiful, like, yeah, like that, that, that five-word title, you can put that in the smallest ad and it'll pop. It tells you what the show is. It's It's just... It's an amazing title, and what, any show that I've been involved in where I have a voice, I don't always have a voice, unfortunately. Um, but I have, I have, 
I, you know, people are going to buy or at least be interested enough to want to know more about something based on a first impression. And I'm a big believer in short titles and as descriptive as they can be and an artwork that draws, makes you curious rather than turns you yeah. off. I think that's all great, uh, great insight into, uh, you know, because a lot of people don't think about branding or, or booking uh, or titles and all that stuff. But you have to always oh, be. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm on a couple of nonprofits, too. And, and very often they have the same issue where very often they don't have a, uh, a name that I think serves them. And, it, and it's very frustrating to me. Um, yeah. Because, because Again. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I interview so many authors, and one of my pet peeves is these insanely long titles and subtitles that oh, you're giving yeah. away way too much information. I just read a book on on the cover. <laughs> There's so oh. many words. Well, I I had, took me first of all, her name wasn't Bet. I she's had many many names that old lady, but I <laughs> when I came up with the idea of Alpha is what I I don't I don't know what. I don't know, you know, how do you know when you come up with an idea? It just came to me, you know, I, but the kind of title suggestions, and I was asking everybody for suggestions. I mean, I have a niece who was really working hard at it. And I, you know, the dinner party, I mean, that's boring. I mean, I, you know, with the picture of a dinner party, I, I mean, I, I wanted to capture her, her character. And anyway, it was, I, when I got to the name, when I got to the idea of the alpha, I changed her name, and now I'm trying to figure out this next one to come. Up. It takes a long time to come up with the right name. And in fact, there was a show I uh, had worked on that actually I was a co-creator with the choreographer, and we had we had gotten ten different theater uh, theater writers, all like with you know, all with prizes. I mean, they were all house, household names for theater goers. Let's put it that way. And to do pieces that could be done by, through dance. And we coming up with a title for that was the, what I, I got together a, a branding expert and a whole lot of us sat in the room for a long time for hours and came up with the idea. And we, it never landed. We never got the right title. I don't think, wow. uh, we got it. The title we came up with was "In Your Arms," which you know, it's like it just didn't. It wasn't the. It wasn't a sizzle title. Let's put it that way. And I'm very so that kind of thing is really important to me. Coming up with how how to market and your product, and so now I'll have to figure out this side and sticker. And yeah. it's funny. Um, her I'm gonna her nickname's gonna be Bert Gert. My grandmother. My grandmother was Gertie. Well, Gertrude. <laughs> well, I don't know if I mean very people. She doesn't have enough people in her life to call her by her first name. But I you, think you said Gert. Somebody hit Gert, G E R T, and I'm thinking it could be Gert Dash Rude because she could be very rude. But I, that's as close as I've come to a title at this point because it's going to be a story that's going to it's going to be it's going to be very different. It's going to all be. Her, you know, from her point of view, which is harder for me, but I feel like I can do it. Rude Gert. Uh, what about Rude and Gertrude? <laughs> one of the things. Oh, oh that... God! I just got the title. I'm sorry. Oh, you got it. You're gonna write it down. I, I, Are we? I, I, so when the book comes out, we can. You. 
we can keep this clip and say we were we were involved in in the uh, titling well, of it. Well, who's that? One of you said. I mean, one of you said something that just came to me. My time. Well, I said maybe. Rudy and he said something else. The root and Gertrude. Gert roots. Gert roots. <laughs> oh Gert yeah. Roots. Very which, good. Which is kind of what this is all about. Her roots. But, very cool. Um, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I came on and listened to your music quiz for about 10 um, minutes. That'd be $2. It, it, was, it wasn't that long. It was only 10 minutes, but it felt like 30, I'm sure. Uh, no, it didn't. no, I was really enjoying it. Um, That'd be $2. And I, could, I could say, I know the John song, by the way. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I love about these conversations that we have in the morning is two gentlemen up there are uh, performing... Uh, both music and comedy, uh, but I like to say to explore how all the creative arts have a lot of things in common, and I think what the biggest takeaway from this conversation with you is how open you are to uh, expert advice, uh, you know, uh, uh, developmental editors, that kind of stuff getting input from other sources and the collaborative collaborative spirit, uh, that doesn't come easy for a lot of people, but I think it's an important thing for people to consider. So on that oh. level, I think you've given some people some really good um, insight in, in, into how your your creative, uh, creative endeavors work. Well, you know, it's either you put your ego first or you put the work first. And right. I, and having been, in theater and I, you know, having written musicals with other people, you have to collaborate. I mean, I, and you can have terrible collaborations. I mean, it, they really, they don't always work and you have to be, you have to be someone who can let, you know, let go of being right. But can, can, um, can I share, I just want to, can I share, you just triggered something. Can I share something real quick with you? No. Okay. Well, I want to hear I'll, it. I want to share it, it with you. Okay. Years ago, I, I, I was producing a CD, creating a CD. I'd written the music and everything. One of the songs I'd written had a funky time signature change in the middle of the song. So when we were recording it, the keyboard player says, why don't we just do the whole song in 4-4? And then everybody else says, okay, yeah, that's fine. So it was my project. And I went, okay, fine. I mean, I've written a song. I wrote it with that funky time signature on purpose. But I acquiesced. And I said, okay, we'll do the whole thing in 4-4. We do the whole thing. Years later, like seven years later, the keyboard player, the one who suggested the time signature, you know, going to all 4-4, looks at me and goes, you know, when I think about it, that was probably the worst thing I ever suggested to you. Well, I was, but I was thinking, you could say, okay, let me, let's hear it once. Yeah. Let's see how, let's see what it's like, because that's what we did. We do a lot. Right. You know, we'll try something. If somebody has, right. you know, say, they'll say, just try it. I said, all right, we'll try it. And then you you also give up stuff that you that you sometimes just give away because you you know everybody else is, sees something different. I mean, I've had particularly when you like when you're writing something together. I mean, the but you know when you talk about the keyboard player who who didn't write it with you, but people when when we were doing our the big dance show I talked about. I mean, people can give you suggestions. You know, the lighting person may have some. I mean, people that can make a suggestion that just, if it makes it better, who cares whose idea it was? Boy, oh boy, you guys are really right. hitting home with me. Right. Per me personally, listen, uh, just really quickly, when I was a young man in the studio, my first wife was very... Uh, 
proactive in in giving me advice and i could not accept it i would not let her i was not open to it yeah but (laughs) but years later i regret because i i came to the conclusion man i should have listened to i should have taken that advice or at least like you said at least tried it that way uh but it took me years and years to get to the point of god how i stubbornness and ego were a big part of uh you know my uh re- lack of success and and, and well and, but you know a lot of it has to do with how people say suggest something you know if somebody says no you got to do that you know it's like your first you know you resist it you know that right. you, you really you feel like you know, don't overtake me but if but if people do it like well listen what do you think of this or you know and or if people are respectful of each other Right. I mean, I, I mean, I've done, I did a book chapter when I was a family therapist, I did a book chapter I co-wrote with somebody else. And that was one type of experience. And the first film I did, I co-wrote with my son. And I mean, it's, you learn how to work together. I mean, we worked very differently and we had, we came up with a working way in which we worked. Well, there's a little funny tag end to this. Um, We finally, we got a director who was going to do the film and, the I'm a big do-it-yourselfer, which is, you know, I just plunge in and, and you know, I have a, I'll try things. I mean, if I fail, I fail. You know, I, that's just kind of my attitude. If there's something I want to try, I'm going to try it. So anyway, we got the director hold us up in an apartment for like two weeks. I mean, we, we, we were allowed to go home and eat. But we did so much work on it during that process. So much changing was done that my son, it's not like he has a big ego. It's just that he couldn't stand working that hard on it. I mean, it just, that it turned him off. But I, I was like getting a, a one-on-one course in screenwriting. She, she really, she really took us through it. And anything, and, and I, it just happens that I happen to be in fields where you do work collaboratively. When I was a therapist, you know, I we would have a we would have our own uh, groups where we would talk about, you know, cases that we had and and help that we needed, and I I I guess it's just my nature, because there are people who who think that they know it all. Yeah, yeah, that was that's definitely been a big part of my you know pride and and all that kind of stuff and thinking I knew better and all that kind of stuff were definitely a hard lessons to learn. Uh, it doesn't come naturally to some people, and I'm one of those people. It doesn't come naturally. I love collaborating, though. That's the odd thing about it. I love when there is that mutual respect. It's just I had a tough time finding people that were either emotionally uh, like charged up about the project as I was or had the same emotional investment and all that kind of stuff. And, finding the, and the, right the same vision. You know, yeah. if you really, if you have two different ideas, you're just going to, there's no middle ground. Right. Very cool stuff. Uh, did I, you want, want to have a final question there, GD? Or did you, were you about to ask a question or did no, I just, I was just gonna make a quick comment because I had a screenwriting student who was, you know, we would be in, in class and they would be, everybody would be, I mean, I'm, when I work with other people, it's, it's also collaborative. Everybody has a voice. Uh, I don't feel like I know more than everybody else. Right. Um, so some, one of the students said, oh my gosh, everybody's giving me so many ideas is this still my, is this still my own? I mean, in other words, does it take, I said, yes, it's your own. I mean, you had the idea, you're working on it. These are just, you know, people can help you make it better. Yeah. Uh, At the risk of sounding ignorant, I love helping people. What's a musical book writer? What's the what? 
musical book writer at the risk of sounding ignorant i oh i don't you know, know what a musical book writer is well, <laughs> i love the question because believe me nobody nobody knows or cares who we are we're the, the least important person on the totem pole but we also are the people who come up with the idea very often and we create the story and we create the dialogue and then when you've created the dialogue and you've written it i mean people work differently but basically what i would do i would write what the write it like let's say a play and then work with the with the right the composers to figure out what of it can be put to music and musicalize it and then they may take it and do something very i mean it, it's not going to take my sometimes they'll use the words that i've used sometimes they won't right um but it's so but people give very little credit to the, to the writers <laughs> i mean when you think about films when you watch a film, you're going to see it's going to be a film by, and it'll be the director. It's like, wait a minute, didn't somebody write that story? You know, <laughs> I, I almost I always, you'll see, I'm sorry, GD, really quickly, uh, you almost always see based on a book by, which is, uh, you know, yeah, at yeah. least a nod no, to the Not person. just a book by, but the, the director directs the project unless right. they also co-wrote it or wrote it. Right. There's a writer. Right. Yeah, Go ahead, GD. I co-wrote a musical, and yeah, when, we, when it came out, like the the director got top billing and i myself and another person we wrote i wrote most of the lyrics and he wrote most of the music and then we collaborated on how to make the music and the lyrics work together and then we oh. had to make it fit into the the musical itself with the script and but after all of that is like my part was like, <laughs> like my contribution was like at least in print was like this Oh, in print, yeah, but that's an interesting way of doing it—to to do it separately, not together. Well, my yeah. composers live together, and they work very much collaboratively on on what they do. Well, well the guy, the, the, when they when they hired me to write the lyrics, I I had a reputation of being a—I guess first of all, I had a reputation of being something of a tyrant and not playing well with others. Which isn't true. I do play well with others as long as they play by my rules. I'm fine with that. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> uh, well, we are unfortunately out of time, Jennifer. This has been, uh, I think, a very insightful and a, a delightful conversation. Uh, and oh, thank I, you. I, I wish you good luck with the book, and uh, I hope it's uh, a bestseller. And uh, I hope uh, your next book is a, a delightful experience, too. What I'm told by many authors is the first book is the hardest, and then after that, the all the nonsense of the publishing business that comes after it becomes easier to tolerate. So I hope, I'm wishing well, that for you. Can I, can I give you my uh, website, just in case anybody... Yeah, it's in the description. It's oh, okay, uh, jennifermanacharian.net. It's right. all, all one word, and it's oh, in the description for, for people why dot net was dot com taken correct yeah but when you, see, when you see dot net that's usually why yeah that's wow. why i'm curious because it says jennifer jennifer <laughs> that's like well, I'll okay, tell you, well i mean i don't want to take up a lot of your time but it happened that the server that we had uh initially it was dot com but when i my book publisher couldn't use that server i had to change the, the right the hosting company right yeah yes. yeah i'm sorry yeah so it's so it was just there was it's not like there was another <laughs> yeah that's what yeah, that, okay that was what yeah because that, I, that be was free. one of my questions i wrote that down i wanted to ask you about that I was yeah. like, that okay that's what i was thinking too when you when you brought that up it's like what there is another jennifer manocharian <laughs> <laughs> well, jennifer robbins manager 
find me one other in this world. <laughs> well, thank you very much for, for getting up and being part of the program. We we, def uh, we definitely appreciate thank all you, you brought here. Me. I hope I sold one book. <laughs> I hope so, too. Uh, I uh, hope you'll read my book. Yes, I definitely will. I promise that. Uh, anyway, thank you. Thank you for all being right. here, and uh, good Thanks luck. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Uh, let me uh, do this. That's better. Wait, Wait, get get up on the top. Get up on the top. Oh yeah. Oh no. Oh man. I thought you were gonna do it, dude. No, I wasn't gonna <laughs> do it. There, it's a, there are times where you just don't do it. That's a, that's a, um, probably that's probably one we, of those times. You're right. In case you guys You're were right. wondering, we are off govs. I, I I got off govs a couple of minutes ago before the uh, before the two hour mark. So did you get yelled at about yesterday? You know what? You're going to beat me. Well, you're going to laugh at me. You're going to treat me like Carl would treat me. You're going to kick me when I'm down. Yesterday. Do I ever? Well, you will now. Uh, yesterday, the guest was Shane Gillis. Oh, I've got a Shane Gillis story. Um, we stepped on Shane Gillis story. We, or better yet, I stepped on Shane Gillis. Uh, you know what on, we should do? We should we should. We, we should reach out to him and let him know we'd like to have him on the show to formally apologize. Uh, I don't think I don't think he's aware of it. I think Tony and Don Sill, who were hosting the thing, are uh, aware of it. Obviously, they're aware of it. And uh, he's preparing for his monologue on uh, Saturday Night Live this week. Uh, he's he's hosting the program, so. But yeah, what a get, man! They, I, I'm very jealous of them for getting Shane Gillis this week. Yeah, I mean, dude, they got to share some of the love. They got to share some of the love at Gov. Yeah, well, no, we could if I if I wanted to travel a hundred miles to go do the show from their studio. I'm sure we could get a lot of those uh, people who are headlining there. Uh, Shane Gillis is not headlining there, though. It's about a hundred miles. Um, hundred miles. Yeah, it's uh, south and and west, south and west. So a total about a hundred miles. It, you know, there's nothing close to me. If I want to go out and get milk, it's a forty hour, uh, forty hour, uh, forty minute drive there and back to go get milk. You don't have your own <laughs> what cow? the fuck is wrong, dude? We don't have a post office. Why? Why? Don't you? I thought you had to have a post office. You have a zip code, right? Doesn't we have, have we have a half a post office. Yes, we have a half a post office, but not like a real post office. There's a building there, uh, and there's post boxes and stuff like that. But Rocky Point, the next town over, is where the main post office is. And we, yes, we have our own zip code, but it's not like a real post office. We don't have a real fire department, and we don't have a real school district. We share a school district. We're waiting, so it's Waiting River School District. Sure, and kids get kind of sent over there. It's we're not really population one. Population me. This is the town. I am the town. It's me and Tesla. Me and Tesla's ghost who live here. That's why. Hmm. Uh, yeah. How did oh, I get yeah, on I forget that? that you live out in his in the, in where his uh, original property was or whatever. Yeah, it's right, right, right there. And uh, yeah, um, I'm between. Oh, okay, I guess yeah. this is why I glow because Tesla's wireless coil was right in my backyard, and a nuclear power plant is right in my front yard. That could have uh, caused the hair loss too. Yeah, well, I think I was bald before I moved here. I'm okay, so 
I gotta I gotta circle back to something that apparently happened. Are you saying it's Kelly's birthday today? Because no, the I, made internet, a mistake. I made a mistake. I was gonna say I, thought, I don't think it's Kelly's birthday today. No, it was somebody's birthday, and I made a mistake. My brother's. I thought Kelly was the eyes of March. Yeah, hers yeah, is next yeah, month. Yeah, in March. Hers is next month. I made a mistake. She shares her birthday with one of my kids. Actually. Well, uh, at the risk of sounding ignorant, you did sound ignorant. I just wanted to say that when I didn't get a chance to say that when you said at the risk of sounding angry, and I was like, you sound very ignorant. Uh, okay, I just, yeah. I, want, I just like saying, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just, I'm not afraid to ask a question if I don't know the answer to, you know. Uh, but you did sound ignorant. Okay, good. You sound, you sound a little ignorant right now. Cool. You look okay. a little ignorant. Thank you. You smell a little ignorant. What? Yeah. Well, that's the go. That's the look I was what going does for that mean? this morning. Fuck it. It's on Sunday this year. Bro, well, I'm probably going to be celebrating more. What? By what? My so, birthday's coming. While we were Dude. waiting at the bus station in, in Tulsa, I uh, I caught a whiff of body odor, and it was so strong <laughs> that I thought it had to be mine. So I like, dug into my bag. I dug into my bag. I put some deodorant on. I put some cologne on. And then I sat back down. And I realized it was the fucking guy behind, like that was sitting behind me. And I was like, "Oh my god, dude! I'm gonna, I'm gonna die if this dude doesn't move soon." He had bus. I was so glad that we were on a bus that had a side seating. Yeah. Yeah, the worst thing to be is trapped in a bus yeah. for uh, six hundred miles or whatever the next stop is with somebody who stinks. Um, oh, just want to go back over but, uh, a little bit, dude. There was a guy. They they get they get really um, uptight about weed now. Um, so and it used to be alcohol that they like if you reeked of alcohol they kick you off the bus. Now also summarily if you reek of marijuana, we watched a guy get kicked off the bus because. But we we you're going through like states where it's legal break. though, right? It's legal. Uh, I mean, I yeah, but and you know what? It's interesting because when you read their policy, because they had the policy on all of their at all of their stations, and that policy is from 2014, and they say that they have that policy because of the federal guidelines. But didn't they didn't they decriminalize it federally? I thought they decriminalized, decriminalized it, yeah, but it's not legal. Yeah. possession of it, but not smelling right, like legal. it. Right? Yeah, it's not smelling legal. like it still is right. a crime. But so yeah, like. And so this dude, he literally got kicked off at, at like a 15-minute stop. They, so, like, in the middle of fucking nowhere, they fucking let this fucking guy because he smelled like weed. And, I mean, that X is your ticket. Like, they're not going to help you get anywhere. You got to just get a new ticket now. And that's why wow. I would fuck around when I'm riding Greyhound because I want to get to where the fuck I'm supposed to go. Like, I hate to I hate to give him another plug. I gave him a plug yesterday, but James Inman Gre- Greyhound Diaries, uh, a lot of that stuff in there, getting kicked off the buses in the middle of nowhere because he he reeked of booze and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, I hate to I hate to give James a plug. Um, I because uh, we don't get along. I I could not I could not convince my wife for any hanky panky on the bus. That wasn't happening. <laughs> not with you anyway. Right. I was like, I was like, listen, I was like, listen, babe, if you blow me on this bus, I'll never leave. I swear to God, because what can any woman say to me after that point? Are you going to blow me when I'm broke on a bus? No, then get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like, I love, I love uh, uh, Landau's bit. 
about uh, watching porn. He said, "I, you know what? Women don't really like it when, when you come on their face. He said, well, you know, I, I came on a woman's face once and she was really angry. Of course, she just woke up from a, a dead sleep. Uh, and uh, <laughs> he said, and that's the reason why they won't let me ride Greyhound bus anymore. So, uh, oh, dude, that's fucking great. That's <laughs> great. I love that. Bit. I will say, I I do have a guilty pleasure. I do have a guilty pleasure. Um, when people fall asleep and they're just like, like just mouth agape, fall like those people, like that. I love taking pictures of people sleeping with their mouth just wide open. Like that's that's a guilty pleasure of mine. I have. Uh, oh, uh, Kelly says the birthday is the sixteenth, not the fifteenth. Uh, that's not not the Ides of March. It's it's the day after the Ides of March. So she's the day she's, after. Yeah, yeah so I was arrested on the Ides of March. I was, that's the day I committed my robbery. You know, Caesar got stabbed on the Ides, Ides of March. That's why they call it. Be, that's why where it comes from. Beware the Ides of March. That's when ah. Brutus. Brutus stabbed Jesus in the side. Uh, Jesus, Judas. Yeah. No, he killed him. Caesar, Caesar. I get the uh, Judas and Brutus kind of mixed up. I have a song where so, it's called Blood, Blood Money. Doing... Where you write it? Go ahead. Are we doing what? Are we doing the 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 mafia movies tomorrow? Because I was excited about that. I love mafia uh, movies. Yes, we could do that tomorrow. I yeah, it's going to be tomorrow's uh, contest, and let people uh, be a little prepared for this. It's movies about organized crime that aren't the Godfather trilogy or Goodfellas, because we have to exclude them because everybody will, and I'm sure that will be number one on everybody's list, or one of those will be. But I just want to clarify that organized crime does not necessarily mean mafia. It could be uh, court cartels. It could be all yeah, all like those bumpy, like Bumpy Johnson, huh? Bumpy Johnson. He was yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of oh, Harlem. oh, yeah. Any kind of organized criminal activity Denzel, movies about that stuff. Don't start guessing was, them what now. What was that movie? No, 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 but Denzel Washington did a movie where he played Bumpy Johnson's uh, driver who took over for Bumpy when he died. I don't, uh, I don't know that I forget the name one. of it, though. Fucking I, Russell 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 Bumpy Russell 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 I think it's called Bumpy Johnson's driver who took over when Bumpy died. That's nah, a long title. Nah, we we, nah. we learn, If we learn nothing today, short titles are, uh, are preferable. God, well, I'm going to think of the name today, of that movie, man. Today. That what done? Um, it's American just a normal gangster. day for you. That's what it's called, American Gangster. Oh, American Gangster. All right. Okay. Well, yeah, that like might that be title. a guess for tomorrow, but don't let it be a guess now. It's not a guess now. He's not guessing. Okay, right I'll now. shut up. I'm sorry. My bad. I need to come up with a prize for tomorrow. One that preferably I don't have it doesn't to pay. Doesn't cost for. you anything. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, GD's T-shirt. The one he's wearing now is, is the Jackie on tomorrow. tomorrow. Jackie's on tomorrow. Right? Jackie and uh, Killer Baez are both on tomorrow. I, I bet you. I bet you Jackie would put up one of his books. That's, uh, maybe. Maybe. And we, yeah, we should. We should get him into playing the game too. We should save the game for when Jackie's on tomorrow. He'll be on the second. Yeah, that'd tomorrow. be great. All right. Yeah, that's the show for today. Or uh, you know what? I I'm really. Uh, I think this. A really uh, good segment with, with Jennifer. I think you know what uh, people might have said. Well, it's not a comedian. What you? And the f- best part is, what am I doing on this show? <laughs> That's yeah, how she started. Was, was so good. She was <laughs> I like, love that. Like, oh, what am I doing here? 
What so did that, I fucking so walk guy, into? The guy who was here February 1st, that guy really regretted coming on the show. He was just like, I picked the wrong day to be here. Remember right, that yeah. shit? Yes, fucking yes. Uh, you know, Ben Brown, who was supposed to be on Monday, he wrote to me and said, you know, He's sorry he, he forgot completely because his kids were out of school and he was spending time with the kids and forgot about the show and all that. And, if uh, you know, I feel terrible about it, but if you would like let me reschedule, I'd love to come on. And I wrote back to him. I said, uh, you can reschedule if you Fuck like. Kids. <laughs> well, he, this is the Mormon. Keep in, in, in mind the, the description was he was a, uh, the Mormon guy who had uh, grown up waiting for the second coming of Christ and all that stuff. So I said to him, you may reschedule if you like, but if you don't show up again, you're really going to be praying for the second coming. And uh, I haven't heard from I haven't heard from him since. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't kidding when I wrote that. I was like, if you fucking don't show up on me again, you pull this twice, I'm going to really be upset. But I would have thought, being a comedian who understands that mentality, he'd have taken that in good stripe, but I haven't heard from him again. A lot of comedians don't really have a sense of humor unless they're the ones in control of the joke. That's true. That's true. That's good insight from you. And that's why I'm kicking well, you out. I'm not a comedian. I don't know anything about comedy. Well, that's why I'm kicking you out right now. Get out. And you get out. It's time to say goodbye. We don't have time for this nonsense, and you don't have time for this nonsense. I want to thank you all for watching the show. I hope you uh, enjoyed Jennifer uh, as much as I did. If not, sorry. You know what? Come back tomorrow. We'll be with Killer Baez and Jackie Martling. Until then, don't forget to turn on your radio. We're on uh, iHeartRadio and MindDog Radio right on MindDogTV.com, and the app will be in the store for the new radio station uh, probably in about five weeks now, but it takes some time. Anyway, uh, don't forget to turn on your radio. Have a great day. Thanks for coming. Bye for now.
listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.